Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast platform of choice. It is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else you can find a podcast. You can also stream the episodes directly from the website abouttoreview.com, which is where you can find full links to the show notes and guests. You can support the show as well from that website by clicking the support tab and follow the podcast on social media at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Did not introduce myself. Uh, this is that guy named John, as always. Uh, and for the first time in like four episodes, which is ridiculous, I am not alone in the studio. I have friends, real friends. Yeah. I was going to say that, are, that we're quiet through the whole thing. So yeah. I was like, okay, no one is going to believe me. But welcoming back to the show is Tim Hall, the People's Critic. It's good to be back. And one half of the Northwest Nerd Podcast, Dyer Oxley. Welcome. Yeah, I'm just the W nerd. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Not the N. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So on this week's episode, we are going to talk about some geek news, talk about the Umbrella Academy, which is on Netflix currently, and also hot off the presses slash hot off of a press screening mm-hmm. of Captain Marvel. So that is what we will be discussing on this week's episode. Before we get into that, we'll get into the original theme song created by Damien Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Since it has been uh, a few months, actually, since Dyer was on the program. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, so definitely uh, plug your things at the top of the show. <laughs> Let people know where they can find you, what you and your amazing podcast partner do. I call him my podner, uh, Nick yes. Jarin. Um, we got plenty of Jarin heads out there, as we've learned wow. what they are called. Yes. Um, that needs to be on a t-shirt. Jarring head, yeah, yeah. I heard it the other day for the first time. I was like, "That is, mate. Why haven't I not thought of that?" Uh, we are Northwest Nerd. We are a podcast that uh, covers all things pop culture, science, and the stories that make us nerds, all from a Northwest perspective. Um, so we cover the whole region. So we go all over the place, and uh, we do a little bit of news chat. But uh, we also present some feature storytelling about things that might be of interest. So- nice. What is a recent episode that you guys? Have done one of the uh, recent ones. Uh, it's comp that I actually liked was uh, I stuck around with the Anti Defamation League at a game jam that they did, mm-hmm. which yep. uh, focused it on a certain theme. Uh, that ultimately, at the end of the day, they're supposed to fight hate. And for those who aren't aware, game jams are like when they take game developers or people that are just into games, video games, board games, stuff them into a room for like forty eight hours, and they have to create a game at the end of it. And so, at the end of this one, it's actually going to be go into a little bit of a competition, be presented at the ADL's convention. And other than that, uh, I've spent a couple uh, evenings with actor Nicholas Brendan, who has a... Uh, from a little show called Buffy. little show called Bu- <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but has since had a uh, up and down uh, few years that have involved multiple arrests, addiction, and a bunch of other controversial things. So nice. we kind of discuss why he is now bowling with fans across mm-hmm. the United States and actually internationally now. He's in Paris right now. Wow. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Nice. Yeah. And the Game Jam episode, I definitely uh, am excited to listen to. Uh, yeah. Friend of the show of both of our shows, Tim Kellings. Yeah. Uh, is kind of the Game Jam master. Uh, so, yeah. So that should be really interesting. Nice. And then Tim, since again, it has been forever. Yeah. Not that long. It feels like, like seriously, doing four episodes by myself was weird. Was really weird. Because then I just yeah. am in this room and nobody is here. <laughs> You that should just put work. some like uh, get his little sound bites on or something. Yeah. Just have some, and then anytime you just, just want him to him agree in. with you, be like, "Yes, John, you're very smart." Yeah. <laughs> no, that would mean he would have to say that for me to cut that. In. It would be like five <laughs> different clips. Gonna happen. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna happen. <laughs> I would t- yeah, that would be. Got, try my, again. My sound bite is really. You believe that? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Tim, what have you been up to lately? Not a whole lot. Relaxing, chilling, uh, recording a bunch of stuff for. Uh, many 80s podcasts. We mm-hmm. had a Black History Month run yes. of movies, which were fascinating. We ended up watching, um, we talked about Spike Lee earlier, we ended up watching Mo Better Blues, which was right interesting rewatch. Um, so last week, we recorded a bunch of episodes Harlem Nights, um, <laughs> Return of the Incredible, the Incredible Hulk Returns, oh, no. with Thor with shows Thor. up yeah. from 1988, yep. made for TV movie. And we also did Birds of the Lost Ark. Mm. Yeah, with Kendon's dad, who's a big Raiders fan. So he talked nice. a lot about the experience of going to see it in the theater when it came out and how it was like this new thing and it was on the heels of Star Wars. And so it was cool hearing that from someone who actually like went to the theater and saw it. Yeah. So yeah. Very nice. So I've been up to and then, you know, went for Comic Con. Yeah. Emerald City Comic Con is right around the corner. Around uh, the corner. Next week, it is going to be madness. Yeah. Uh, I will be there pretty much all day Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Thursday, I don't think I can go. And then there's a board meeting and stuff. So, like, yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, though, for sure. I will be there. Dyer, you guys I'm going be- all four days. Nice. Uh, we're organizing a bunch of things to get our name out there for yeah. the trooper. Uh, yeah, for the event. I don't know if you want to, I don't know, break news or if it is breaking news here, but you hear about the new entrance. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. this year, Emerald City Comic Con is doing a couple different things, one of which is they have expanded to the Hyatt, mm-hmm. which is like a, less than a quarter of a mile away. Like it doesn't matter of a couple blocks uh, because the Sheraton had some event going on. Well, so the, the Hyatt that's like on the corner over by the one by the Paramount? Yeah. Hyatt, yeah. If like you a, head that direction. It, football it, it seriously is like <laughs> three blocks. Yeah. But yeah. it is not right next door like the Sheraton was. But the Sheraton is a business. It is a venue that people use for business, for weddings. So it was already booked. Mm-hmm. People, of course, freaked out and were like, eh, Reed Pop sucks. It's like Sheraton is a business. Somebody booked that a year well, out. what's going to be at the Hyatt? So the Hyatt is going to be where the main stage is going to be, from what I have heard. Um, and the convention center itself, so the on Pike, like the mm-hmm. main convention center entrance, is going to be the exit. The entrance is actually going to be right. on the other side. Where those little ticket windows are in the tunnel, those doors. That's the entrance. Yeah, that's supposed to be the entrance, and they're also adding in metal detectors this year. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny? I saw that at Ace Comic Con, yep. and I thought, wow, I can see Emerald City doing this because people are crazy. Well, yeah. that and like New York City Comic Con, every year that I've gone, and I travel with the big Pelican case everywhere. Yeah. I put it up on the metal detector. I take all my stuff. Sometimes they have me unlock the case and open it, but generally, like... I am 100% okay with additional security. Oh, for sure. I for was people's safety. an yeah. idiot. Uh, oh, boy. A couple weekends ago, we went to WizardCon down in Portland, mm-hmm. and um, 
I generally, if I'm around the city, I carry something on me, uh, not a gun, but like a uh, a thing for me just in case something bad happens. And it like is a katana, idiot. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, he is actually wearing it right now in the studio. Super awkward. Two samurai yeah. swords. It's still, like two size, like Raphael. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it's a uh, essentially. I I walked in there and I was the guy that forgot it and I had to like of go. So like, hey. I'm, I'm essentially going to lose this right now. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, yeah, we're not, I can't guarantee you get this thing back. Or Luckily the timing was really great. I did get it back. The guy was oh, actually wow. super nice. Cause uh, luckily I was the only idiot that day. So mm. um, like they, they sent me for some reason, totally useless. Long story short, uh, for some reason they thought I wanted to like, uh, you know, what is that thing with the peace bond? They thought I wanted to peace bond. Wow. And, and the guy's like, I'm not peace bonding. This no. This is what? Do, what do you think that you do? I'm like, yeah, I know. I just, I think I'm gonna lose this here. It's, you know, like a ten dollar thing. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. But that's why they have metal detectors. Yeah, smart. I mean, it it absolutely makes sense. I'm surprised that it's been this long without them. Seriously, and so many people were like, oh, it's gonna hold up the lines, no, blah blah. If it holds up the lines and that stops one person from bringing in something they should it's not, not gonna hold yeah. the line. It is though. worth it. Like, and that's the thing. Yeah, New York City Comic Con, which is bigger than Emerald City. They have like four, four or five stations on one level, some other levels. Like it is a line. It is Comic Con. It is going to happen. But as long as you know that ahead of time, like it is fine. Yeah. So just I am totally on board for that. It is going to be interesting this year with the different arrangements and how they structure things. It always fluctuates, but I know that some people had concerns yeah, you know it, it, you'll go you'll be a fan what is exactly the, what is the second bill is it tcc is yeah, that another uh, building yeah. yeah yeah so eventually at i think around 10 a.m or so they will open up those entrances as right. well so you won't get stuck entirely in a line i'm sure they're going to have something there as well yeah. but um yeah so i mean that'll that'll help i guess relieve some of the pressure yeah it just is crazy when so many people online are blaming it all on like read pop who are the organizers and owners of it people like to complain well not and yeah. it is like it is a building they're having to figure out how to make an event in a building it is gonna it is gonna happen but yeah everything is gonna people be fine complain. i remember when, when our building went to like secured badges to get on mm. the floors mm-hmm. and people complain i was like well There's- i'd rather be safe <laughs> right the problem is those are the people that complain wolf because the when we actually have real complaints everybody's gonna right. think about these guys that are thinking like, yeah I don't want to wait in line. I don't want. It's not to, that big of a deal. Yeah. Get there early. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Buffer another twenty minutes. You'll be do you, fine. Do you guys follow Read uh, Read Pop the Todd or whatever the Todd who works over at Read Pop? No, no. He's one of the he's one of the main guys that deals with global talent. Uh, and this is going to be a huge dig. This is this is not me who said it. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. but Disclaimer. he posted nope. uh, at <laughs> at Wizard World in Portland that I just went to, he posted, next time somebody complains about the guest we have at Emerald City, I'm just going to point them to this. And it was an advertisement for Kato Kaland yeah. <laughs> popping up at Wizard World. And uh, yeah. Kato? Yeah. Kato Kaland. Yeah. Uh, Nina, my significant other, uh, sang karaoke with him. I got a great video. What? Randomly. Yeah. He was Kato. pulling people up on stage. Yeah. My buddy was at Wizard World yeah. and was walking by and somebody was like, hey, cool hat. And he was like, yeah, thanks man. Turn around. And he was like, as he walked away, he was like, that was Kato Kalen. <laughs> What's weird so. is people are like, wait, who's that? And then people will say, oh, it's the guy from Big Brother. Oh, that's, that's not what I point. would say. No. <laughs> no. I, I know. I'm like, we're what? of a different generation. <laughs> exactly. For sure. We know them for different reasons. That is crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so Emerald City Comic Con is definitely going to keep all three of us uh, busy, yeah. you know, that weekend. 
So definitely look forward to all of our various coverage uh, on that. All right, into the geek news. So Twilight Zone mm-hmm. dropped its first like full trailer. We had seen a couple snippets and... It was a Super Bowl teaser. Yeah, Super Bowl teaser. <clears throat> and they dropped their full trailer. Mm-hmm. It looks bonkers. The yeah. thing that worried me when I was actually looking at the article, and I, they would not do this to us. Mm-hmm. It is dropping on April 1st. On April Fool's Day, I was like, if they pulled a long con and they're actually uh, not doing a show, no, no. that would frustrate what me. What <laughs> if what if it's it's kind of a return to comedy for him and it's not we think it's gonna be Twilight Zone, but it's gonna be like comedic Twilight Zone. It's like Mad TV Twilight Zone. That would, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I have faith in Jordan Peele and whatever he does. Nah, he wouldn't do that. That would be that would be pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. He'd burn up all his goodwill. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh speaking of which, we get to see us here pretty soon the week after comic-con uh definitely looking forward to that so yeah twilight zone super hyped about this it was only until recently that because i remember watching the old one on like nick at night you know and things right. like that i had no idea that rod sterling the host of it wrote all of it like he was he was not just like the host who was like these are the stewards but like yeah. no that was his show that show really was kind of like the little engine that could type yeah. story because mm-hmm. he really he didn't know really how to even be on camera i heard a story once when when you hear about rod sterling talking like rod sterling <laughs> right. uh he, he did that because he was so nervous and didn't know how to talk on camera but it became like a thing yeah you know um yeah that show wasn't i guess supposed to be successful it People was not it up. no no yeah no. and then it became just this huge phenomenon it is funny that like with the voice Everybody who kind of makes fun of Shatner's Kirk mm-hmm. and Dyer and I are both giant Star Trek nerds and so is Tim. <laughs> People kind of like make fun of it and Shatner himself makes fun of it. Watch those old episodes. I dare you to watch those old episodes. It is worse than you imagined. Yeah. <laughs> like it is so rough yeah. to watch those. So I heard they're redoing some old episodes for this new Twilight. I heard that too, but I was not sure. They were, I mean, of course, they're not kind of going into any details about yeah. that. Some, I some, only remember some popular. Episodes. Yeah, I only remember a few of them. There was like the pig faced one, Ooh. Um, where everybody looks like that, and they're like, "Oh, this woman is, or this other person oh, is disgusting." Eye of the Beholder is the episode. Yeah, yeah. About. and then yeah. she looks like a human. Yeah, Eye of the Beholder, the one uh, Danger at Thirty Thousand Feet, that one I think. Oh yeah, with the uh, William Shatner. Oh, yeah. they have to do the Gremlin on them. Yeah, yeah, they're doing that one, and especially one. these days with how paranoid people are flying. Right. Yeah. Well, that's okay. the thing is, I think that they're. The sense that I get is ABC. It's on ABC, right? It's on CBS. CBS. They're trying to ride on the heels of Black Mirror and these other anthology mm-hmm. shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people, I think, realize because we've been absent them for so long. Anthologies used to be a thing. Comic books, when they first came yeah. out, were anthologies. Yeah. Superman in action comics, it wasn't all about Superman. There was other stories in there. And then we had shows that were anthology shows. We've had movies for a while. Mm-hmm. And I almost feel like we're getting a resurgence of that with Black Mirror and people kind of want to get in, in on it because it hasn't happened in a while. We have mm-hmm. a movie coming out. It's an indie film called The Mortuary's Assistant that is an mm. anthology horror show, you know, much in the sim- same vein as uh, Tales from the Crypt. A right. creep show. A creep, creep show. Yeah. Exactly. We had like, Outer Limits. Yeah, yeah. Outer Limits. Shudder is doing stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, I mean, it definitely yeah. – I do agree that there is kind of this – resurgence and it makes sense if you know that you're doing a 10 episode or eight episode season not really having to think about all the interconnecting things just be like we just want to tell eight or ten solid stories and go from there like black mirror we got three you know in the first one and Mm -hmm. six and then but those 
yes, especially in the last season, they started weaving in stuff from almost yeah. all of them. Like yeah. A, they made it all very connected. Universe, very connected. Right? But before, it was just like, hey, these are just one shots. Yeah. So I'm down for Twilight Zone. I, I'm excited for it. It's not Lathan, isn't it? Uh, John Cho. Um, what's his name? Stephen Wynn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is, it is a pretty yeah, stacked. I, I noticed, was it, I always, I'm going to screw up the name because of 30 <laughs> that's, Rock. That's quite right. Tracy Jordan or Morgan? Tracy Morgan. <laughs> okay. Tracy Morgan. He'll right. always be Jordan. Yeah, he'll always be Tracy Jordan. <laughs> Seth uh, Rogen is in it apparently. Yeah, mm. I heard about that today too. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like all these faces you're trying to like pick out in that yeah. trailer. Yeah. 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 So I'm hyped for that. That should be April 1st. Uh, another April release that I am super excited about. So Anna and the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. which cracked my top 10 films of 2018. It hit me out of nowhere. I had no idea what to expect other than a Christmas zombie high school musical. Um, amazing. Okay. So let, let me ask you something. Uh-huh. How do you sell that to someone like me that heard two films in there that I, genres mm-hmm. that I'm not a fan of? That... So zombie film. You okay, like those? I'm okay with that. I'm you okay. like Christmas films? Yeah. There are Christmas films that I like. <laughs> right. right. But, you know, right. We just get focus it. on those two. The spirit is alive. We get it. <clears throat> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like it just, the high school musical angle really is just there because it is a musical set at a high school. It is not like the, the high school musical movie. Yeah, it is not that, but it's just like it is a musical set in a high school around a zombie apocalypse at Christmas. Great movie. Like, it blew me away. Mm -hmm. So it is getting a physical release. Uh, They already kind of did an uh, on-demand release, but April 8th, it is coming to physical media. Super excited uh, for that. Just the story behind the actual movie is also great. It was based off of a short film that was also really good. And the creator of it, the writer, the director, passed away at age like 25 really suddenly from an illness that just kind of came out of nowhere. So they basically made this feature like out of respect to him and to finish the story. So really cool. Uh, I just am really happy for, for those guys. So and in the apocalypse. Wait, so the news of the DVD release? Not, I thought yeah. it was like a sequel or something. No, no, no. Just oh. it is physical media because they were not sure if they were going to. They had a really limited run. It was Orion mm-hmm. Pictures. And so not very many people got the chance to see it. And so they did on demand release. Now they're doing a physical release as well. Mm-hmm. So that is pretty cool. Uh, Tim, I need you to explain sure. uh, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. This new project that he's going to be a part of. Yeah. Thor gets to say the N-word. is going to be fun. Yeah. No, so, I don't know if that's going to be in the movie. No. no. So it's not. Chris Hemsworth was cast as Hulk Hogan in a new biopic. Yeah. He's playing the Hulkster. <laughs> Visually, sure. Yeah. Especially if you look at like the first Thor, mm-hmm. where he was the biggest version. He had the longest hair. Mm-hmm. I... Do not know about this movie. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. A lot of people grow up imitating wrestlers. Of course. Hogan was a big one. Randy Savage was a big one. Mm-hmm. And so if Hemsworth was ever a fan of wrestling, I'm sure he's got it in his repertoire somewhere. A, a Hulkster impersonation. An impersonation, yes. A whole movie doing that? That is... That's a lot of story to tell. I yeah, yeah. okay, but okay, I'm going to I'm gonna raise a, a, an issue here. Sure. I have this thing that you really... And this is going to be dark and grim. I apologize in Ooh. advance. You shouldn't make a biopic until they're dead. I'm with like, you. That's yeah. my thing. And, and very rarely there's instances like maybe Vice or when you're explaining like a larger story. Sure. I get it. Hulk Hogan's still alive. He still has a chance to 
screw up or do well. I mean, like, it's kind of, it's difficult for me to, to take in a story like that. It's almost like, uh, I, I, I don't want to jinx anything here, but like when they came out with R, um, RPG, I was kind of like, kind of got to wait till someone like dies, but then I didn't want somebody to die. So right. like it, it was conflicted. In that yeah, case. I'm with you because my thing is always when the person's still alive, there's only so much truth you're going to tell. Yep. Right. So it's sort of handcuffed right. with like, and you got to come to the screening and see this. Yeah. And like, yeah. I mean, isn't going to cover that whole lawsuit? No, no but I, I would. Yeah. No, I don't so, know. Well, don't actually, know. so they did talk about how, so first to both of your points, I totally agree with the biopic angle. Hulk Hogan is a producer on this movie. Oh yeah, that is a, a terrible it's a, it's idea. A, yeah. It's a fluff piece. Yeah, like this is, and they even talked about it's how a vanity project. in an article, and it should be linked below that this is pretty much only going to be x amount of time. Like his beginnings, his origin story. Well, he rose to the top of wrestling and changed the game, and right? Made profitable and became and a then movie star. After like '96, they're probably just gonna be like, nope, nothing happened. Hulk Hogan retired from WWE, right? <laughs> Beloved by everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so again, my very yeah. very limited knowledge of this and. Tim and Damien especially are, are the experts. Like, I do not even know if it will go into, like, the NWO. Like, I'm not sure if it will oh, go that way. Oh, that's got to. That was, that was one of the biggest moments ever in wrestling. Yes. You'd so be a fool not to put Maybe it, it will end with that? Because, again, like Probably ends with his retirement. <sighs> no, I actually <laughs> predict that it's going to be entirely about the making of Thunder in Paradise. His ah, 1990s yeah. superboat television show. Yeah, Thunder in Paradise. Exactly. Because that is a story that has... But you get to put in so many other characters, right? When you're Which, doing the movies, when you're yeah. doing Rocky Three, when you're doing... Uh, you but know. that also is like... Okay, so visually... So we're putting on our casting director hats right, right now. Okay. Visually, Chris Hemsworth as Hulk, I buy it. Got like it. I, I can see that. Chris Hemsworth can be a big dude. Normally, he's pretty lithe, but mm-hmm. he can get big. Who do you cast as Macho Man, as Andre the Giant? Anybody. Like... I just like okay, like, but who in movies could help sell this? You never know. I like I heard I Bradley heard, Cooper I as heard, Macho Man. No, I heard Joe was Maginello. I keep messing up his last name. Ooh, as I, Macho Man. I heard his Macho Man impersonation. And it was spot on. And, and he's, he's always, a big he's, dude. He's always wanted to play Macho Man. Yeah. I would say Henry Cavill. I don't know who. As... I don't know who, but there's. I think the kids say Swall. So yeah. he is he is swole. He could be and, like yeah he is a built Brutus, for it. Uh, uh, like the British bulldog or somebody. I can see him right. That. Yeah, but I mean, who else do you have from that area? Uh, oh, you have everybody. Sergeant Slaughter. I mean, if you're yeah. only doing his big matches, it's, it's Andre the Giant, the Giant. Mm-hmm. Savage, Warrior, um, the NWO stuff. Who yeah. do you even get to play Andre the Giant? That is the Just thing. The big guy. Like, I, yeah, a big guy. I mean, no one's going to be the Giant. Yeah, right. you just get a big guy. And, and he's the Giant, depending on. I mean, they could even, uh, they could use some NWO guys. Like, I mean, Undertaker still is around. You can't use around, But it's just like, yeah, that is the thing. is like, it would immediately take you out of it. No, you got to use people playing. How much do you feel, and granted that Hulk Hogan is a producer in this, so who mm-hmm. knows what level of funding this thing has, but how much do you expect that they're going to use any sort of CGI to just not even get actors? It's going to be Chris Hemsworth. Uh, Facing computer Andre the no. Giant. No, they they will get an actor. Okay. Yeah, they, they will get know. an actor. And this this movie no, has no. has money. Shockingly, and I I learned this recently after talking with Tim and Damien for years. Wrestling makes so much money; it is insane. So a movie like this, if you get Vince McMahon as an executive producer, you you can get all the money. But I just like I am really curious as to who else they cast. So yeah, this, this that'll, is, that'll either make or break the movie. Yeah. So this is just announced. So we will we will see 
uh, about that. Uh, moving on to some frustrating news. So Steven Spielberg is an old man shaking his fist at clouds. Mm-hmm. Come on. So for people not in the industry who are seeing all these articles and everything, Steven Spielberg was real upset about the Oscars that Roma won three Oscars. Not that it won, but that because it won based on being a Netflix movie and that is not real cinema and blah, blah. Shut up, old man. Like, I hate being harsh, but at the same time, the industry is changing. Either realize that and embrace it or shake your fist at clouds. I think that... Go ahead. No, you go ahead. The the odd thing about Spielberg specifically is when he came out with these movies, people shook their fist at him saying this isn't real cinema. Absolutely. And these movies shouldn't win awards Mm -hmm. because he was doing these big action movies that were essentially just action sequences one after the other that told, you know, a, a thin narrative story. Yeah. And people hated it. Well, mm-hmm. fans loved it, but the quote-unquote film purists, the film community, they didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's it's strange to see him all these years later, forty something years later. He's now the guy who's looking at the way film is changing, and he's the one shaking his fist, saying this isn't real cinema. It just it it is crazy to me. I mean, so yes, film has changed significantly in the past. Not even I would say five years. We're just talking about distribution. Distribution. That's I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. filmmaking, I mean, you still have fantastic... Yeah. Martin Scorsese is doing a Netflix movie. Like, the the pedigree is there. It's just the distribution is different. See, and so... I, and the, the, the thing that's, that's odd to me is, like, as you know, during a war season, we watch a lot of this stuff at home on, yeah. on through DVDs or or links. Like, yeah. This isn't it's like this isn't something that's new to people who vote because that's how they're not at that's all. how they're watching these films. So it was weird to see them say this isn't real movies. Well, how are you watching it? How did you watch if Bill Street could talk? Did you go to a theater? Mm-hmm. How did you watch? No, you were watching these stuff at home. You were sent screeners and you watched them at home. Yep. See, I think I'm going to be the odd man out on this. Mm. I, I think this goes beyond an industry change because the industry is changing. I would argue we're probably witnessing the start of the medium changing because with online streaming this is offering a whole level of interaction and with entertainment that we haven't really had before and and we can easily point to bandersnatch on Mm -hmm. netflix as an obvious example of that but netflix is using data and things that determine you know plot lines and things like that that I would say that the way we interact with our media is now far more different because of Netflix. Netflix came for that home rental market, you know, mm-hmm. which maybe that's yep. what Spielberg's mostly dealing with and now in his mind. You know, this is that's the level of Netflix for him. But they they've evolved so far beyond that. And other streaming services like Hulu and so forth have Amazon, who Amazon. is also winning awards every season. Right, the big sick won yeah. a yeah. whole slew of awards. So I I I I understand if if somebody from maybe another generation, with all due respect, is saying like, "Oh, I don't. Yeah, this is different because it's new media." But it's it's more than I think new media. I I don't. If I was a lot smarter, I'd be able to explain exactly how Netflix is going to change the game. But honestly, I see this leading towards something akin to, yes, I'm a nerd, like the hologram. Uh, the holodeck on mm-hmm. on Star Trek, right? Where you know, video games put us into a story. I'm sure movies are going to start moving into that direction as well. Um, and we're going to look at movies today the way we look at stage plays, you know, with because the interaction is just not the same. I I, I think Spielberg. I don't agree with his point, but I also think that it's kind of short sighted of him to think that this is. You know, well, this is just like TV, and that and that is yeah. what it is coming from. Is like he even called these TV movies. 
Right. It is not the same. And so I think the bigger thing is, I mean, knowing how many independent filmmakers, you know, I, I talk to or have on the show or whatever, back in the day with those gatekeepers like Spielberg, your movie might not ever get seen. You were, I mean, there are movies that were made not that long ago that are still in limbo because the distributor changed. It got bought by this and this. The studio did not know what to do with it. We see that all the time where a movie gets made and they're like, well, we cannot release it right now. We will just put it on this shelf. Like, and new, maybe, like new Mutants? New, new Mutants. I've, and that, I feel so bad for like the actors because they're like, we showed up, we did our job. And now we have no, like they get asked all the time, when's it coming <laughs> out? And they're like, I have no idea. Yeah. So the distributorship model is changing. And so now these independent creators can go to an Amazon, a Hulu. That does not make them any less of a filmmaker. New Mutants might end up on Disney Plus streaming. That's what yeah. they said. Yeah. Which, so, which I mean. It's just funny. The, it it is a studio <laughs> film that you couldn't figure out what to do with. Now it ends up on a streaming platform. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I think the, the independent filmmakers, this is their time. Like, this is the time when it is like. You can make that call or send that email to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime. Be like, here's a thing I made, you know, and yeah. what, what can you do with it? Versus like calling up MGM or Universal and being well, like. People have been complaining for years about how the Hollywood and that industry, mm-hmm. the film industry has becoming so much more straight laced. And Absolutely. they're just so much more strict about budgeting and things like that. Back in the 80s, there's this kind of like this, that's the nostalgia for filmmakers. Back in the 80s, you could go into a producer's office and say, okay, I got this great idea. Right. It's about these two stoners. Then they walk into a phone booth and they travel through time <laughs> in the phone booth mm-hmm. and they would make that film. Today, you couldn't walk into a producer's office and say, I want two stoners to travel in a phone booth. Right. Other than the fact they'd ask you what a phone booth is. Right. They, <laughs> they just won't make that film. Today, you could walk into Netflix or Hulu and say, all right, it's about a stoner who opens up on a scene of him doing something really intimate with himself and we call it Future Man. And yeah. you can do that. For yeah. better or for worse, you can do that. And yeah. and it's almost like giving us that 80 cents back, I feel. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Because, you know, when he, we hit the late 90s, early 2000s, they started doing a bunch of movie franchises, right? Mm-hmm. I want four Spider-Man movies. I want six Pirates movies. You want two good Batman films, yeah. and then who cares about the rest? Yeah, you want yeah. you want all those you want all these things mm-hmm. instead of you know. I say this all the time. I remember listening to Aziz Ansari talk about doing his show and how, like they, you know, the normal model for television is, you know, you you pitch the show, they pick up the pilot, they run it, and then they say, oh, maybe we'll do four episodes and see wh- where we're at. But you know, when he pitched Master of, of None, they just let him do the whole season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, we're just doing a whole season. And they're like, yeah, we're doing a whole season. Which is, as a creator, I imagine that's a lot more, um, you know, easier for you to do instead of like that worry of like trying to keep your show number one and, and yeah. all these weird metrics that the networks use and whether or not they're going to cancel your show or not. There's none of that. Yeah. It just, it, so it just, it really just spoke yeah. to me like somebody who is scared of somebody who is like, my industry is changing in a way that I might not really understand. Right. And that bothers me. Yeah. And so just like, and he even made a, a point in his speech to the Academy, to certain members of the Academy voting body. He was like, you know, people these days just aren't going to Sundance, you know, to get promoted and, and make a film and to get a deal. That's what it should be. Keeping no. in mind, that was not how it was. Clerks, Kevin Smith's Clerks yeah. was the first movie that was bought at Sundance. 
This is not, and that it just it's not like a forty-year-old thing. No, yeah. Clerks just celebrated the twenty-fifth anniversary, and the movie again yeah. that Kevin Smith financed himself, wrote, did all of that. That was the first one, so it was not like Gone with the Wind showed at Sundance, and then no. <laughs> so it is just the industry is changing. Get used to it and, and, and lean the, into it. Yeah, yeah. You know? the, the one recognize that, recognize what you maybe could do in that space, yeah. the, and if not, get out of there. The one thing I want to say is, it's Netflix is just a choice. It's an yeah. option. It's an option. <laughs> exactly. People, right. We just had like one of the biggest box office years ever. Mm-hmm. People are still going to the movies. Yep. Yeah, it just not, it, that it stopped. This is not exclusive to uh, without going too far astray. This is not exclusive to films. I, I think media and mediums are changing so mm-hmm. dramatically right. that uh, I come from a newspaper world. Right. And then I went into radio, mm-hmm. sort of. Um, and now I'm into podcasting. Like, things evolve, and you can either be the Seattle Times or you can be the Seattle Weekly. Right. Yeah. I know. Rest scorching. in peace, Seattle yeah, Weekly. exactly. I so, I mean, that's that's the thing. And I used to work for Sound Punishing, so I'm not surprised at all that Seattle Weekly is no longer here. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's essentially the mentality yeah. is, is you can either kind of evolve and, and, and grow with it or you can, I guess, be Steven Spielberg and just say, I'm mad. I mean, because I one. And yeah, that that really was what it came down yeah. to. So anyway, so we will see what happens. I mean, he gave this speech for certain members of a voting body. I really don't think anything will change. I mean, Roma had a theatrical run. They still put it in theaters. And my personal belief if you're going to see Roma, see it in the theater. Like it is a gorgeous film. Yeah. But if not, watch it at home. Like it, it is okay. No. People are still going to go to the movies. <laughs> like like Tim said, last year made billions of dollars. Yeah. So anyway, so that that will be interesting. Uh, but exciting movie news. One of the sleeper hits that honestly nobody was really expecting. Edge of Tomorrow <laughs> slash Live Die Repeat. <clears throat> That to me was my introduction to Emily Blunt as what? an action star. What? Like as somebody like when I was watching that movie, I was like, she is incredible. Mm-hmm. So they are now in talks to do a sequel with I, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt returning. Yeah, I mean that was that, the article came out just this past week when they were like, no, I thought we knew that before, like a while ago. Now they're at least moving. I remember her hearing yeah. rumors about it. Anytime you have a success, especially on a film that nobody yeah, expects. I thought yeah, they, they, yeah, they had mentioned it was after something she had did, and it wasn't a quiet place. It was something else yeah. about. So now like, it is official, though, like that they are moving forward. One of the great comments I saw on somewhere was saying that basically what they should do is release the same exact movie but change the last thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, that would be clever. And release it on April first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, I am super excited to get back into that world. Yeah. Like that movie, I went into it not expecting anything other than Tom Cruise being an action star, which he is amazing. Mm-hmm. The movie blew me away. That's a great movie. I wasn't expecting anything. Um, and actually, quick quick temperature of the room. Do you mm-hmm. call it Live Die Repeat? Nope. Or Edge do you of call Tomorrow. It Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, that was what it was released yeah. as. And then they were like, yeah. the tagline was Live Die Repeat. Right. And in foreign markets, that was what it started to go by. Mm-hmm. So then they rebranded it for some of the releases, Live Die Repeat. Yeah, come on. A little poster at the, at the at the theater I went to see it. It's like live, die, repeat, and I'm like, that's kind of a cheesy name. And then in tiny letters, edge of tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Like, what's what's going on there? Um, I'm trying to remember how you can even make a sequel because when when I heard this news, I was thinking back, 
I don't know how, how we are with spoilers of this film, but it has been a few years. It has been a few years. But without giving too much away, there's a whole plot device they use that kind of explains the whole Groundhog's Day thing that we're mm-hmm. dealing with. Um, but I got the impression that that was kind of... Resolved? Resolved. What if they were wrong? I was like, what if, A, they were wrong, or what if there was more than one of those MacGuffins okay. you know, that we're yeah. referring to? Okay. They very well could be multiple of those throughout the world. We just saw one area. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah I, I am totally down for, for Edge of Tomorrow 2. Uh, Live, I repeat again. Yep. <laughs> uh, Rami Malek mm-hmm. is... There, were, there was a lot of James Bond 25 rumors recently. Mm-hmm. Lupita Nyong'o was rumored to be the new Bond woman. She is not going to be. That kind of got denounced pretty quickly. But Rami Malek, it went from rumor to now pretty solid thing that he is going to be the villain in this new James Bond film. Good. Good for Rami. Absolutely. Like Before Bohemian Rhapsody came out, mm-hmm. like I have been championing Rami for a long time because he is incredible. He's good. Now that he has an Oscar, <laughs> that really opens up the doors. Doing a movie like Bond, I think, is just going to put him in front of more eyes who might not have seen Bohemian Rhapsody or seen Mr. Robot because mm-hmm. they're James Bond fans. So that should be great. Super excited for him. Have you guys seen, it was the that old HBO, uh, it was the Band of Brothers, but it was the one yeah. in the South Pacific. He was in that. No. He was in, he was in that. It's the first experience with him, and you will not shake the cold creepiness that he is able to convey mm-hmm. in that he he plays a super creepy character. Yeah. And, Interesting. And if I, if that, I just immediately when I heard Bond villain, I'm like, if we can have that guy as a Bond villain, mm-hmm. it'll probably be probably one of the best Bond, Bond villains we've ever seen. Because Bond needs to go back to just having, well, first of all, <laughs> Bond needs to stop being, I almost said too ridiculous, but I mean, it just... The a Bond film. Yeah, a Bond film. But go back to a villain where, yeah, all it is is it is acting in the face and being that calm, cool, collected villain versus the over-the-top, I-want-to-take-over-the-world villain. That Because, again, that is more like what we see now in the you're, real world. You're more man with a golden gun, less sharks with laser beams. Yes. Okay. Less Moonraker. Because <laughs> Moonraker is just like, <laughs> that movie is just ridiculous. My but first yeah. ROM experience was Short Term 12. I don't think I've seen that one. You know who's also in that movie? Brie Larson and (laughs) Lakeith Stanfield. Oh, yeah. Sheesh, I had forgot about that. They're all in that movie together. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, He's good in that. Yeah. So I just, I'm excited for his journey. From what they said, the loose character description was that it would be a North African, you know, dictator or whatever. And it was like, okay, he is Egyptian, North Africa. Cool. Sold. So good for you, Rami Malek. Uh, to casting news that is a, a dropout, mm-hmm. uh, not a casting. Will Smith officially is out of Suicide Squad 2. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oscar winning. Oscar winning. Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. Oh, yeah. For, they said, scheduling, Sched- scheduling issues. AKA, nobody wants to go no, back. No, it's Apparently, the script is fine. It's James Gunn. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if he's out because of reasons other than scheduling conflict this this is what i this is what i said when they had justice league and they switched directors in the middle of that of how much joss whedon lipstick can you put on a Zack snyder pig like yeah yeah it's it's that's great that we have james gunn but i'm always just doubtful let me put it this way i get the sense with the dc movies they tried real hard to come out and they Mm -hmm. tried to copy that marvel essence 
Um, but I feel like almost, and, and I, I'm not trying to call actors rats, but it's kind of like the rats jumping ship, you know, like even mm-hmm. they know the actors know that something's amiss here, you know, yeah. love them or hate them. Ben Affleck, I, I, I feel like is one of these people too. It was like, I'm, I don't want to really be part of, do I want to be known as like the George Clooney Batman type right. guy or do I want to be known as. He started looking very uncomfortable in press appearances right. pretty early. Yeah. Right. Um, and they're in a tough spot now too because yep. they have successful, um, uh, well, they have a successful, I think, superhero film, Wonder Woman, in my mind. Because yeah, no, I I, uh, I did not like. Uh, I Aquaman. mean, we have we have to say Aquaman though because it did make a billion dollars for it's some like financially. Dumb we yeah. have to say Aquaman. It just made money. Plenty it of made money. bad movies make money. Well, true. <laughs> yeah, I, such a shame for Jason Momoa. But I, I listened to that episode and I agree with you. Where the hell did that flute come from? Why exactly? <laughs> like, on the flute. Um, oh man. As that aside, they have one successful <laughs> film. They're in a tight spot. Yeah. What do you do? It, it continue with different actors and just pretend like one Wonder Woman is just the same. Well, like, with Shazam coming out very soon. Yeah, they do have an opportunity there. That is, they're going a hard pivot because like Suicide Squad. For as funny as it was, it was still a dark movie. Shazam, like full 180. Mm-hmm. Like Wonder Woman was on World War One. Like that, it was still a dark and mm-hmm. like heavy movie. So this with Birds of Prey that we have only seen like a 30 second teaser of, they're they're just gonna try and pivot hard. Yeah. Apparently, the movies aren't gonna be as connected as what we see in the MCU because <laughs> nobody is in charge. They don't have a Kevin Feige, yeah. a right. one guy or one person who was like here are 20 like he mapped out 20 films and was like this is how everything connects everything makes sense i also think it's just an attitude thing dc is still remember in the 90s the dcs that we had then we had two uh batman films that were pretty good right and then we had two batman films that were pretty terrible and i think it all had to do with the director well, Schumacher just Schumachered all over that thing. Well, exactly. So the the first uh, director, who's for some and very embarrassing, Tim is Burton. Tim Burton. <laughs> Gosh, woo. Uh, Gonna edit that out. Just exactly. Kidding. No, Not he good. gave me dry fly here. That's the <laughs> right. problem. So Tim Burton comes along, and I think he has a vision to treat this with a sense of maturity. Mm-hmm. And then Schumacher comes along. It's a comic book, crazy yeah. colors, right. mm-hmm. bringing like a soundtrack. And DC is never. The problem they have is they get people that don't leave that mentality. They get maybe someone who's a fine director, but they're like, oh, it's a comic book. Yeah. And they, they, they treat it like, oh, it's a comic book. I've heard people say, you know, oh, this isn't a comic book storyline as like an insult. If you go to Mopop right now and you go to the fantasy section, yeah. you can hear people talking like authors uh, talking about, you know, oh, well, I want something more with depth. I don't want a comic book, I think is what they said. When you get a director who treats a film like that without yeah. a sense of maturity, like we got with like Batman Begins. Right. Mm-hmm. Then you end up with these films that people are just like, okay, great. I'm glad you made a chunk of change, but nobody respects you. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, a- MCU has treated this with maturity and people respect them for it. Even if you... you throw like a Hulk out there or something like that. At least in the end, they're respecting you. They just keep doing this. You know? Yeah. So we will see kind of what, what direction DC decides to go with after Shazam and Wonder Woman 1984, which got pushed back like six months. Yeah. So actually, no, almost a full year because now it is 2020. Mm-hmm. So it should be out this summer. Like if I was mapping DC, mm-hmm. Shazam's out in April. Wonder Woman 1984 in like June, July. Yeah, July, late July, early August. Yeah. Yeah, why not? But no, it is going to be another year. 
So it just uh, it's odd to do that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of odd choices, still in the comic book uh, realm of movies, mm-hmm. a movie that I legitimately keep forgetting is coming out. X Men Dark Phoenix. <laughs> it's, it's like they out. dropped a poster two weeks ago of like you know Gene kind of half and half of Phoenix and Gene Gray. Then they dropped another trailer. I forgot about this movie. Legitimately yeah. forgot that it was coming out because it was this was supposed to come out last year, and they pushed it and pushed it. They have said <laughs> so. This has screened with test audiences three different times. Mm-hmm. That is not a good sign. The the test on screening isn't a bad sign. What the test audience is saying isn't. Well, good. yeah, the fact that after each of those they have done these massive reshoots mm-hmm. is a problem. So they drop this new trailer, drop this new poster. They reveal almost the entire movie in the trailer. Apparently, there's more. Is what uh, they're saying. Sure, I just I have no faith in this, and it just I don't know what they're doing. It looks bizarre. Yeah, it looks weird. It, I don't. They've they've there's like zero continuity with these films, <laughs> which is like the big problem. Which and one of the things that it could reveal in the trailer, you know, there's kind of a big spoiler a in the trailer, a, a death in the trailer. Yeah. That completely messes up the other continuity because these movies are supposed to be in the same realm as the first ones, mm. but then ha- none of it makes sense. After Days Future Past, that things change, they change the timeline. <laughs> there's, like, no, there's no real continuity. I've, there, I've there given are, up since part three, to be yeah, quite honest. There are so many YouTube videos of people like, the timeline explained, literally nobody can explain it. No. It makes no sense. So yeah, X-Men Dark Phoenix comes out later watch this it. year. I'll give it a shot. I try not to judge art before I see it. Mm-hmm. It does not look good. <laughs> I, I I just don't have faith in them anymore. It's, it's I funny because it's I feel like it's one of these situ. It's like an Aquaman situation. Yeah. You you have the material to work with. You have the actors mm-hmm. to work with. I They're feel they've got the actors. actors to pull this off. Yeah. And somewhere somewhere along the line, I don't know if it's all the folks in cubicles that are like you know oh well we can budget this or you can't do that or but I don't know what's going on, but they just they they fumble it after that. Well, that and like they keep doing the same storyline. Yeah, like, X Men had more storylines than the mm-hmm. Phoenix Saga. Yeah, like and do I don't the know brood. how you tell it in one story. And also, like you just said, like there's there's a mature way to tell these movies, and yeah. I mm-hmm. think they fumbled that every yeah. time out. Even mm-hmm. in early cuz the early X-Men stuff maybe we didn't know how to make these movies. Now we know. Now we know. Now there's a blueprint and you continue to do like Magneto destroying stuff and take <laughs> Xavier comes in and saves them. Take the mm-hmm. lesson from your own history comic books. You had an era where comic books were dying and they were also under attack because you know people were thought they were like, you know, immoral and things like that. And then someone named Stan Lee came along and said, "Okay, what if we just stop making these guys like smash them, crash them, punch them ups and then I actually put some sort of like character context to these, yeah. these people and mm-hmm. and maybe this is about like bullying maybe this is the big metaphor for the social issues we're dealing with our times and actually put layers and context and plots yeah. into these stories instead of just approaching it like a classic old rock'em sock'em comic book dc has given us rock'em sock'em uh marvel <laughs> is giving us you know basically what stan lee gave us and that's it's the lesson that they layered need to storytelling because i mean people forget that as a comic book fan in the 90s, Marvel filed bankruptcy. Yeah. That is why we have X-Men over here with Fox, and we have Spider-Man over here with Sony, and we have this. They were broke, like flat broke, Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and they were selling off assets to just keep the lights on. Now we have blueprints, and like now Sony and Marvel are playing really nice together with Spider-Man. These, these things can happen. And so people keep saying that with this X-Men Dark Phoenix, this is the last one of this world, which is why, like, 
it, there has not really been a lot of push for it because people know like, okay, well, just, okay, finish that. And then in two years, maybe we can bring them into the MCU. I think people are more apathetic, much like you were just saying, because they just haven't been good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a problem. They haven't been good. My hope is still, and I know that uh, we've discussed this before, and, and y'all disagree with me. <laughs> I am go. still hoping. Dyer's hope- predictions. <laughs> Dyer's bad prediction. Um, I am hoping that you know we still have Endgame out there with mm-hmm. the Avengers, yeah. and we know there's a Reality Stone, a Time Stone, all this stuff's out there that maybe we can play with, a lot of plot devices. I'm just hoping at some point there's a big battle everything's smoldering there's piles and mounds of dirt and debris everywhere and we just zoom into a close-up shot over a mound of debris and this hand just comes over and this arm comes over the debris and then three claws just come out of it and all of a sudden we finally bring the x-men universe into the avengers universe which has always been dicey i know in the comic Mm -hmm. books but still love to see it happen i i hate to see who that they would ever if they try to do anything new with the Mm x-men i hate to see who they try to get to do wolverine zach efron I'm not Are against you it. Zach Efron would be incredible. Uh, I'm not against it. Like he, I don't know if I can do. He's another song and dance man, like Hugh Jackman. Okay, he can be jacked. He can be hairy. Like mm-hmm. anyway, but yeah, I mean, they missed not missed an opportunity. They know what they're doing. I mean, far be it for me. At the end of Avengers, this last one, Infinity War, and you know, at the end, Sam Jackson as Fury, you know, types a thing into a pager, and then we get a symbol. Maybe thirty percent of us at the, at least the screening that I went to, I went to two that week, were like, "Oh, cool!" I had to explain what that meant. If they had put the Fantastic Four symbol on that, oh. that would have been incredible. But again, like they, that is still way down the road. Yeah, they can't do that. Yeah, no. But yeah. like that, because like Captain Marvel, that symbol, some of us know it. A lot of people going to see Avengers had no idea what that was. So how they kind of. People didn't know who Thanos was at the end of the first Avengers. Yeah, that is true. I had to explain that a lot also. <laughs> He's Darkseid's cousin. Yeah, they know who he is uh, now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, cool. So, yes, that is the, the geek news. That was, a, that was a big old section of geek news. The first thing that we will be reviewing mm-hmm. is Umbrella Academy. So, this is based off the, the comic book series. And this is a Netflix original limited series. Ten episodes. Ten episodes. And, yeah, it was Gerard Way and Gabriel Ba did the comic book in, like, 07, 08. It won an Eisner. Really, really solid series. And what I liked that they did with this is they kept it short. There are only, as far as, like, if people want to get into Umbrella Academy with the comics, 15 issues mm-hmm. total. Like, and that is over three different, two different main storylines, and then they started a third. So, like, you have... A lot to pull from as far as the world, but as far as like comics history, like we were talking about DC and Marvel, everything is kind of right there. Mm-hmm. So this TV show on Netflix, it basically is these dysfunctional superhero family drama where yeah. the, the patriarch dies and then the family, the siblings of this patriarch have to get back together and they were all born on the same day. In unexplained circumstances. Yeah. None of the women, women were pregnant the morning. The morning of birth. birth. Yep. Did Which I repeatedly birth. say was stolen from a plot from Angel. Uh, as we all know, the spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But uh-huh. I, I won't go down that rabbit hole. Okay. Good. Because you... you, you stolen <laughs> plot. Stolen plot. Stolen plot. So but he goes around and collects like... He collects seven. Seven of the kids. Yeah. yeah. So then this... The benefactor, this patriarch, mm-hmm. uh, Hargreaves, 
he goes and Ronald Hargreaves, uh, Reginald Hargreaves, and finds these women who had these children are like, hey, I want to buy your baby. Yeah. And does seven times. In the comic, there are a lot more, but only seven survived. It basically kind of leaves the door open for some other possibilities. Mm-hmm. But in the show, we get a few of them coming back together. Mostly none of them have seen each other in years due to various circumstances. And they're now dealing with their father's death and the secrets that he had and kept from them literally to the moment that he died and beyond technically. Mm-hmm. So in a 10 episode season, Tim, how did you feel like they, well, first did you read the comics? I can't remember. No. Okay. Never read the comics. So I how do you feel right. they structured it over this 10 episodes? So fine. You're missing a key point, which is one of the, one of the children's jumps to the future oh, right. and sees the world has ended and then jumps back and try, they're trying to prevent the end of the world. Yes. Yeah. Cause number five, they lost track of him when they were all 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Like he just, he can teleport places like Nightcrawler. Yeah. Kind of, he got upset, started teleporting and time traveling because that was what he wanted to do. And he was like, I can do this. And his dad is like, I really, just like every piece of media that all of us have seen, read, or watched in this room, do not mess with time travel. Yeah. It rarely ever works out yeah. well. So he pops away at 10 years old and nobody knows where he is. He comes back. Mm-hmm. And in his years, he has been gone 60 years, comes back, but he's the same age as he was when he left. Mm-hmm. And everybody is like, which is crazy because people start doubting him when he's like, oh, I came from the future, blah, blah. And they're like, I don't know. And it was like, do you not see your brother who looks exactly <laughs> the same as he did when he was 10? Like, right. I just, whenever they do that in these comic book worlds or in any type of sci-fi world where something fantastical happens on a regular basis, mm-hmm. your brother has powers, your sister has powers. Somebody says something crazy and you're like, I don't know. Yeah. Why? <laughs> like your will, your willing suspension of disbelief yeah. right. is crazy. But anyway, so, yeah, I thought, I thought it was paced well. I thought it was, you know, pretty good in and out with 10 episodes, some interesting characters, interesting enough storyline. Mm-hmm. There's a main storyline. There's some side storylines. There's a lot of really cool stuff they do with backstories to sort of fill in what you didn't know, what you thought you knew. They did a good job with it. Yeah, and they really expanded on the comic book series because really this took the first volume uh the apocalypse suite volume of the comics and did these 10 episodes Mm -hmm. but they still gave us it like you're saying they kind of went into little things here and there they gave us more because the comic book that series is short and so they were able to kind of end uh like they were some of them are credited with like creators character or characters created by and screenplay Mm -hmm. So if you go back to the same people who originated this concept, be like, hey, this is what we're doing. That is the best way you can do it. Because then that person is like, oh, I wish that I could have done X, Y, and Z. And put that in there. So stacked cast. Yes. For sure. uh, In this, uh, it definitely was, I mean, I liked the diversity in the cast. They do a really good job of balancing the characters. We get pretty much a vignette of of all of the characters except for one really mm-hmm. uh who only one character can see only klaus yeah. can see so we never really get his story but that was the same in the comics mm-hmm. in the comics we see him as a statue in certain points we see him do his power but that was kind of it okay 
So in this, they already kind of started to build up on that and find ways for Klaus and him to interact. So I was I was impressed with this. Yeah. I think the 10 episodes were solid. Where it goes from here, kind of based on how the episode ended, how season t- or episode 10 ended, it is kind of an open book. I say that even though there's already a book about it. And that, but still, you know, like it, the characters were compelling enough for me to be interested. It was a tight story. Uh, Jess, our friend Jess was saying like, this was the first Netflix show like this, where at the end of every episode, she felt invested. Like mm-hmm. she was like, oh, I want to watch the next one versus I know Tim and I have talked about this with Iron Fist with those like 13 episodes, man. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, all right, I yeah. got to finish. Eight I to 10 is, is probably the sweet spot for that. Yeah. I still have not finished Punisher season two because it oh, was like I enjoyed it. I mean, it was so, but it was so brutal that I was like, I don't know yeah. if I can do more than it's two a murder episodes. Fest. It, it and <laughs> actually, I agree too. Punisher season two is where they pull it off more, mm-hmm. far more so than than the first season, which I wasn't really yeah. that into. Marvel's uh, Netflix series suffer from this problem where they really—it's almost like they get contracted for mm-hmm. about ten episodes, but they really should be doing seven at the most right. yeah, and maybe that even might be pushing it but if they just string it out with all these just dialogues it's it's like the other end of the pendulum i give movies crap for being too action oriented right. mm. but there's another end of that spectrum where you're just having people walk around and and talking about <laughs> exposition or, or oh. yeah or in jessica jones case just walking around drinking and being sad for like 90 percent of that show pretty much it, I actually I don't even finish season two of that either. Yeah, no. it's that one didn't pull it off in season two, in, in my impression. Um, but yeah, I, I've only seen half of Umbrella Academy. Okay, and um, it, it's funny because I I remember reading these back in the day. I was living in Portland at the time, mm-hmm. um, and I I barely retained what I, I kind of read from it, other than kind of the general sense and the vibe, and they all have numbers like all the kids names are numbers mm-hmm. in this one sense, through seven which mm-hmm. is very difficult for me to keep straight half the time um and if they're going the direction i remember these things going it should be very very interesting but it's also an interesting point because they only really made was it 2008 through 2009 or 10 that they, they made two collections mm-hmm. right two two storylines and it wasn't only until the last couple years that they've really kicked off a couple new storylines like we have one and another yeah, on the way yeah exactly there's one in december just recently, yeah. like in December, and then another one is being planned. Right. So we have four seasons that we can at least play with uh, foreseeably. Yeah, and if they, if they maintain the sense of artistry, much um, – the only thing I can liken this to is uh, – and it's not the same, but the only thing I can liken this to is like Legion, where there's a flavor right. mm. to it mm-hmm. that is – What is uniquely different. Exactly. Yeah. That It's a style and a sense about an ambiance about it. This has an ambiance about it that I'm hoping they kind of stay to because it's it's not really like anything else. Yeah. And the budget is not too crazy. Mm-hmm. Like even for a show about seven people with superpowers, six or seven people with superpowers, like there are not too many crazy things mm-hmm. that happen. Like even the teleporting uh, effect mm-hmm. is really cool. Like it is just really simple, just a quick cut, you know, like a little kind of like flash of light, mm-hmm. almost like Q in Star Trek. You know, where does something that quick? It is not like they're doing a nightcrawler like brimstone and clouds. Like everything is is simple. So I definitely uh, liked that. I appreciated the tone, the style, the soundtrack was killer. Good soundtrack. Like especially again for a Netflix show, 
that I have no idea what their budget is, but they got some yeah, licenses. They got some really good music <laughs> like, in there. I, I would agree with the music. I will, however, uh, say to uh, my partner, Nick, Tiffany is not my genre of music, despite mm. what, what okay. you people may think. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's okay if it is. Dyer's Declaration. <laughs> I don't know why. He's just like, yeah, man, they have this Tiffany song there. I figured you'd really like it. And the sad <laughs> thing is, <laughs> I was dancing to it, but it's mm. not. Yeah, okay, I'm done. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Defense rests. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So uh, the official rating on this podcast, there are only three choices. No letter grades, no stars. Three choices are good, bad, or ugly. A good film or TV show in this case is something you would recommend to a friend. Mm-hmm. A bad film or TV show, especially when it comes to a Netflix style show where you have a lot of them, is something where you're just kind of just kind of slogging through it. And at the end of it, it was not really that appealing or it was not something you were like, you guys got to check this out. Ugly, avoid at all costs. Dyer, you are excluded from this because you have only seen half of the season. <laughs> uh, Tim, what do you give Umbrella Academy? I give it a good. That was very well done, very well made. Like I said, very well paced, entertaining, funny. It's got some violence if you're into violence. Lots of gunplay. It's got everything you would want in a comic book show. Yeah. Agree. Uh, I give it a good as well. Mary J. Blige. Yeah, she's good. Surprised me with like just how good she Ooh, was. So, yeah, she did do quite a bit of her own stunts. Mm-hmm. She talked about that on like an Instagram post or something. Um, the number three, the woman that you like with the curly hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, her Instagram yeah. is great. Really cool she, artwork. She has been putting up like behind the scenes stuff of just her and the cast hanging out. I love seeing that type of thing. Posting a lot of cool like fan art of people have done about the whole Umbrella Academy. You yeah. know, different ways of the, you know. One thing I liked about the show mm-hmm. was the different umbrellas they would show that would say right. Umbrella Academy on every episode. The different ways they would do, figure out how to like put that into the show. I thought was really clever. Mm-hmm. And it was subtle. You know, it was yeah. not just, it was not so in your face. I mean, it was, there are certain times when you would open it like straight into the camera, yeah. but yeah, so solid. So I definitely give it a good as well. They, I believe they did get renewed for season two already, but I don't know. I, I read that. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good for them. Probably. I would say, I mean, with the show again, with this type of show, they could probably put out late 2020, like it probably, you know, three months filming or less. So yeah, cool. All right. So then the big movie, the thing that some of you might just be skipping to this part right now. But if you did that, you missed out on a lot and you should feel bad and you should go back and rewind and listen. Remember that thing I said? How funny it was? It was was hilarious. Really funny. I still like I'm sitting because I peed myself (laughs) and it is really embarrassing and I cannot stand up. So. All right. So the movie Captain Marvel starring the one and only Brie Larson, mm-hmm. directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, who mm-hmm. I had no idea what they had done no. before. No idea. Uh, Mississippi, actually, no, Mississippi Grind. That was a poker oh, wow. movie. Yeah, yeah that was a movie. poker yeah. movie with Ryan Reynolds, Ben Mendelsohn, who was in this one. Yeah. Um, I love gambling movies, uh, yeah. just in general, uh, and gambling in general. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, like that was kind of all I knew. Nothing like this movie. <laughs> yeah, no. So, uh, Tim, do you want to give us a breakdown of uh, Captain Marvel? It's a, a sort of a semi-origin story Yeah, of uh, Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, who is a, when we meet her, is known as Verse. She is a Kree fighter and is helping the Kree in the Kree Scroll, scroll War. Um, she ends up on Earth having these sort of flashback memories of, like, Something seems very familiar. Mm-hmm. That's when she's contacted by Nick Fury, played by Samuel Jackson, 
and um, Colson, a young, a very young Colson, probably like Clark Gray, <laughs> very, very young, very young Colson with young Coulson. hair that was not yeah. good, yeah, bad haired Colson, and um, <laughs> so she essentially is working with Fury to try to figure out, find her um, someone who she thinks she knows mm-hmm. who's working on some technology that supposedly is going to help the scrolls, and so she they're on a search to find this person. Meanwhile, the scrolls and her other Kree partners are on their way to Earth to intercept her. Yep. Kind of the film. It's almost like a a buddy cop film in the middle of a war. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Because, I mean, mean, the Captain Marvel comics, I mean, that spanned, I mean, it started in like 1967. Yeah. This Kree scroll war Mm -hmm. that is mentioned multiple times for this movie that is a driving catalyst in this movie has been going on for millennia. Yeah. And there is no end in sight. No. Like, it is just something where, especially this, these are two intergalactic powers, or in the comics, they're they're more kind of at equal footing. Mm-hmm. This movie, we start to see a little bit of a different side mm-hmm. to the war than we had seen in the comics. But, yeah, I mean, this war has been going on forever. Yeah. So now suddenly, so she, we start the movie, and she is a soldier in this war, just following orders. Following orders. And then starts to realize, okay, what, like, why do I keep having these memories? Right. You know, where are these coming from? Uh, the Supreme Intelligence, mm-hmm. which is this AI, which they had a really interesting way of connecting people to that. Mm-hmm. That was not something that I'd seen in the comics before. With the Kree civilization, the Supreme Intelligence, in the comics at least, was a giant floating head in a jar. You can't do that. No. That's too Which, weird. like, part of it... So the way that they connect, I mean, and part of this has been in the in the trailers, is, you know, it's kind of a holodeck-style area where you are basically communicating with a version of the Supreme Intelligence that is familiar to you mm-hmm. in some way or another. I was waiting, and they had an opportunity, they had actually two opportunities as I was watching this, to give us, like, a little peek behind the curtain and to show us a giant floating head in a jar. No, they're not going to do that. I really thought they were going to in part of it. That's a little too weird. But it, like, how is it more weird than stuff we have seen in Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, it's a little too I weird. I kind of like the floating head in a jar thing. Yeah. Like it... I, I don't know. It's kind of like Krang. It would, oh, oh, yeah. bigger. Because like this, imagine like the face of Bo from Doctor Who. Yeah. But times 10. Like this was a huge creature, but just a head and have a bunch of wires coming out of his, yeah. out of their head. We might see it later. And that's the thing. Like with this, I mean, this was just basically... Um, a mainframe like that they were yeah. that they were connecting with. So, who knows what is controlling that mm-hmm. that mainframe? But in the middle of all of this, you know, yeah, she meets, she lands on Earth yes. through a blockbuster, like we see in the trailer, and the adventure kind of starts to really pick up from there. Mm-hmm. And we get her. I mean, it, I I felt weird about some of her powers on this because it felt like they were not really sure which direction they were going. I mean, it was kind of the, oh, you don't know how to unlock your full potential, but then it was also, we have locked this part of it, so why are you wanting, why are you kind of training in the sense of like, you need to unlock your full potential, but then you are purposely inhibiting that full potential. Uh, You know why? I kind of want to spoil the movie. Right, but it was just, it was weird that like, 
But then the, the movie, we understand why that was happening. Yeah. Where are the, where's our level of spoilers here? So nothing this? that is There's not spoiling. Yeah. No, no, is nothing this, that is not in the trailer, basically. Is this episode coming out before or after? Before. before the movie. Okay. This will be coming out, yeah, Wednesday. So normal day. I um, think as the movie plays out, we understand why that was the thing. I guess it was just, it was, it was interesting that Jude Law's character, mm-hmm. um, who it already got spoiled a long time ago, and it will not make any difference to people who have not read the comics, but he plays Yon Rog. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means nothing to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. But like he, when he is training her, he was like, You need to control this. You need to control this. You're, you can be better. But then when. I think we're talking about two different conversations, though. Because controlling it and telling her she's too emotional, she needs to calm down, I think was not about the power level itself. No. I yeah. don't think it was about any of that. Okay. Because, I mean, that that was what I was kind of reading from some of that. So, it was like... No. Okay. In a sense, it could be their way of controlling her. Yes. Yeah. That, so that's if, what... I, that, was, that was my read. Okay. So, if she... Once she does control, you know, regain the full abilities, then they have a more powerful weapon, kind mm, of? I don't know if that was even their play. Yeah. So, that, that was just a little bit weird. But, Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. We got to talk about her. Yeah. Uh, she, on her Instagram posts and social media, had been posting a lot about like the workouts she was doing yeah. and the stunt work that she was doing. Yeah. To me, this was... So, I, I know that Tim and I agree on this, but Winter Soldier has the best fight choreography... Out of any of the MCU. Uh, out of oh, any of the MCU. For sure. Like, hands down, the best. For sure. This felt like a step backwards. This one, there were so... Like, when it came to actually the... Not the flying stuff and everything. That was well done. But like the actual hand-to-hand combat was so just chopped up. And it just kept skipping from like, if you are in a fight scene and you knock a weapon out of somebody's hand, the camera does not need to focus on that weapon that just flew away. Mm-hmm. And it does that like three or four different times. So the actual hand-to-hand combat in this, I feel like I know that Brie Larson, because she showed us, she worked her butt off mm-hmm. to get in shape and do as much of the stunt work as they would allow her to do. And the way it was shot and edited, I feel like took that away. It didn't bother me at all. What, how do you feel about that, Dyer? I hate to be like, you know, the three bears in this scenario <laughs> where I'm like, just right. I, I actually, I, I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm leaning more towards you on this one, John, in that I, I didn't, it didn't stick out as anything spectacular to me. No. You know, and I'm actually, I'm not a big fan. I know we're talking about superhero movies, but mm-hmm. overdosing on like the action in, in superhero right. films, I think happens a little too much where I'm kind of like, okay, give us, give us more of a resolution Substance. now we need, it's, it, we get it. They're fighting type mm-hmm. thing. And in this case, it just felt very generic. It felt like, okay, we're going to have some high kicks here. Okay. We're going to shoot some, you know, some laser beams over here and we're going to mm-hmm. do something else. It just, it seemed like, okay, we, we've seen all this before. This is generic. I, I, the one thing I think I'm disappointed with is that the Kree are this militaristic, mm-hmm. awesome mm-hmm. space force yep. that is just, oh, wow, I can't say that anymore. Um, space force. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is this awesome, awesome, you know, just outer space militaristic force. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I didn't see anything special. Special, yeah. you know, you, you see maybe a couple little things like we're going to train or something. You don't really see anything of like, okay, this would, this is why they've been kicking butt so long. It just seemed like, okay, well, it's the same kind of stuff we see in these other films. Yeah. Similar almost to the Klingons. Like right. they're, they're this big military force, 
but when they fight, it is just very clumsy. It is very just brute yeah. strength. Mm-hmm. And so all of the, a lot of the Kree soldiers in her unit have these unique set of skills. You have right. the sniper, you have the you have Jaimon Hansu, mm-hmm. you know, with swords, you have kind of the the brute who has like none of the weapons felt unique enough or that we never really got involved enough with those characters mm-hmm. to kind of see what made this such an elite group when it seems like yeah a lot of the fight scenes were just kind of basic and we see them on one mission they're going to extract somebody and then a second mission the later end. yeah yeah but the first mission is an yeah. extraction they're not there to they're not there to fight anyone they're there to get mm-hmm. get something and get out mm-hmm. so i don't think we you know the last sort of hoorah is we all know how that's gonna go right yeah so i don't you know yeah and i think that also that is a difficult thing whenever you do a flashback mm-hmm. movie not just a scene, an entire movie, when we know that Fury survives, obviously. We yeah. don't know how he lost his eye. You know, spoiler alert, yes, we get an answer to that. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are like, are we going to actually see it? Yes. Yeah. Um, we know Fury survives. We know Coulson survives. I mean, essentially yeah. with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We know Captain... So, like, the stakes for this, we know that Ronan the Accuser who was in one of the trailers, like, we know he survived. Who, there was another guy, too, that I thought was very interesting that you're going to see in this film. Again, I, well, it's, it's on IMDb already. In the way that you said Ronan the Accuser is there, mm-hmm. there's a few other characters that are in this film that I was very surprised to see that you will see later, even though we've already seen the films, in the ti- later in the timeline, mm-hmm. they show up again. And I just I, I, I thought those there's these Easter eggs in this film. Yeah, that if if you haven't watched the film, that's fine. You're, you're still gonna have you know this film to enjoy. But there's all these like almost little Easter eggs for people that are into the Marvel films for sure. That you're gonna and this is the first time I think I've felt this has happened in the film because usually it was like Easter eggs if you're into the comic books. Mm-hmm. Now we're entering to an era where we've built up enough films right. that now we're calling back to oh. Remember in 2008 or in 2014, like mm-hmm. that was in these films and then right. now we're seeing it. Well, I think that was Correct. also with, uh, with Avengers when they did General Thunderbolt Ross mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they brought him from the Eric Bana or not Eric Bana, from the uh, Edward Norton yeah. Hulk movies. Like that was a pull that nobody thought was going to, yeah. you know, to happen. And so, yeah, but it, when you think about the stakes, like we already kind of know this main group or at least a lot of these are going to make it. You, you you went in to see people die? Not necessarily I went in expecting that, but it was like, I think it was harder than like in these intense moments, you kind of know what the end game, you know, is going to be. And so for me, it was hard for me to get kind of invested in a lot of what was going on because you just, you, oh no, she is being tortured. I was like, okay, I know she survives. I mean, oh no, that's... you know, Nick Fury, like Jude Law, when you introduce new characters... Yeah. Then it is like, oh, I wonder if this is, you know, where this not, is going to go. That's not specific to Captain Marvel. That's every one of these movies. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, whenever you do every one of flashback, this, you know, Every movie. one of these action movies, every one of these Avengers movies is that. Except for now. So, we've got 10 years of movies. Right. Now, we're at a point where, like, people probably will die. But up to then, I didn't, yeah. I'm watching Civil War, I didn't think anyone was going to die. When Rhodey falls out the sky, I didn't think he was dead. I didn't think, was, I think we're going to see no more War Machine. I figured he would return. When we're watching Winter Soldier, people what were going to What if they open up his mask in the next movie and it was Lakeith Stanfield? Yeah, right. Just um. replace them. <laughs> Just. Uh, you know, we're watching Spider-Man. I don't think Spider-Man is going to die. I don't think Aunt May is going to die. I don't think his, his, his classmates are going to die. I guess with this one, it just, 
because this is the first one where it was kind of in the past and it was kind of the like building. Prequel. Yeah. yeah, prequel. I felt that a little bit more. I mean, yeah, you are right. Watching Spider-Man, when, we know that he is going to survive. Yeah, but yeah, something about this one, I think maybe because it is a prequel, it just it was hard for me to get as invested. You do have that sense of like, ooh, is everything going to be okay? Or how are they going to get out of this one? Yeah. In mm-hmm. this film, you do have the sense like, well, th- th- we know they're going to get out of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I still had like a, how are they going to get out of it? I don't know if the yeah. was going to die, but how do they get out mm-hmm. of this situation? Oh, okay, this is how this is how this resolution. I know we get to point B. How do we get to point B? I know mm-hmm. point B is there. I know what point B is, but how do we right. get to that point? And then how do we, you know, there's little Easter eggs at the end, these little things. You're like, oh, that's how this thing happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, there was definitely the 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 MacGuffin, yeah. you know, in this. The reveal of what that MacGuffin was, that surprised me. Yeah, I was like, like oh. that, that was a legitimate, like, like, oh, well, that makes sense. How did that, like, that was a solid, and that again, that is purely based on the movies, not the comics or anything. Yep. That was a purely, this is like, yeah. this comes up in a movie. This is, this is at least where it could have come from. And it connects to like three other movies. Yeah. that That's, yeah. that's interesting. Cause I think the way I was feeling watching this film was that this is a, this is a fill in the gap film in a gap that most viewers, well, all of us didn't know was there. In many cases, there's a lot of things yeah. that they're doing to write into the plot line that doesn't really affect any of the films, but the long story arc, yes, it affects it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, because they, as soon as you saw that pager with this, it was like, okay, mm-hmm. like we know that we know that she is going to play a big part. Then they announced it was going to take place in the '90s. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, so I mean, it was they were definitely checking boxes. Um, all of the performances in this, like nobody felt. Out of place, I would say, other than a couple of the Kree soldiers. They were funny. Like they, they, were, they were funny, but they were just kind of not cannon fodder because they're a little bit more than that. But it was just they were kind of there. Some of the lines almost not tripped over each other, but it was we never really got like a clear sense of ABC person on this team. Yeah, that's like a longer movie. Right. Gotta Which cuss, I mean, but this, this, was a, time. this was a prequel and so like i almost thought that maybe they were we we're going to get a little bit more of that About the kree soldiers a little bit because it was like if this is going to be the kree scroll situation you know i thought so why, why would you think that that seems like an odd thing to think because it would be it would be interesting i would find it interesting yes interesting i don't know why you think that would be in this film per se I think this, explaining the kree a little bit more actually kind of provides context to the the backstory and the the investment that yeah. you know, Captain Marvel essentially has in in this team. Mm-hmm. I was hoping for something a little bit more akin to like the Marines and Aliens, mm. and which I thought would gotcha. have would have been more kind of band of brothery type thing. Yeah, where, where you get some like yeah. some connection between them, right? Like even though they're individuals with this one, they're all we never get a sense of teamwork. They kind of give a you know? yeah, brief I don't know sense of that, that in about ten seconds. Yeah. <laughs> And, but then they just kind of, the, the plot keeps it rolling. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think because this movie was a lot about Carol Danvers discovering who she was, that we weren't going to get any of that. Now, maybe moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like in this film, I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to spend a bulk of the time with her trying to remember who she was and, and trying to sort of put together these puzzle pieces. So we're not going to get a whole lot of Cree backstory. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get a lot of fleshed out characters of the Cree people or anyone else. We know who Coulson is. We know who Fury is. You don't have to introduce them. You don't have to give them a backstory. Right. And it's going to be mostly Carol figuring out what's going on. Yeah. And I definitely think this fits. I mean, as far as the tone, how you mentioned earlier, 
Like the Kree soldiers are funny. Like Ben Mendelsohn's character, the scroll, the scroll, scroll's funny. Yeah, is funny. Like he has some great just beats, some yeah. comedic beats. But this also kind of rides that line between like Thor Ragnarok mm-hmm. is legitimately funny. Like yes. that movie is yeah. hilarious. And then you have like Avengers Infinity War, which is the opposite. Everything is just grim and bleak. This one kind of slides right in the middle, where it is not like that super fun comic book movie like Spider-Man and Thor Ragnarok, but it is not as dire uh, (laughs) as the Avengers movies. And then like when we get more of the sense of that Avengers, like when certain things start happening and the music kind of changes, and it was like, uh, uh, like then it hits you, like it reminds like Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. When that ends and you're like, oh, this is kind of fun. Then you're like, oh, wait, no. Yeah. Like, like there was somebody in our theater when we saw Ant-Man and the, Sc- Ant-Man and the Wasp where the end happens and, you know, people get snapped. Somebody in the theater was like, I wasn't ready. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it, it just kind of hit you out of the blue. This one, because of kind of that middle ground, that transition to that harsher reality, I think was a, was a nice kind of bridge. It's interesting you bring up the humor because that was one thing that stood out for me in this. Mm-hmm. And that I feel like Marvel in its films has developed a, a very like signature humor. I agree. And I, I would extend yeah. that to guardians of the galaxy too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. bringing in certain actors that can kind of pull off stuff and then going, you know what, Jeff Goldblum, let's pull him there. And like mm-hmm. that, I felt like this film had a humor into it. I think Mendelssohn was probably the guy that carries it off the most yeah. that relates to that marvelous humor, but the rest of the humor really didn't line up for me mm-hmm. in, in, in that. I mean, it was humor, it was funny and jokes. It just didn't give me that Guardians of the Galaxy, Tony Stark type, you know, quippy stuff that we've been getting. Yeah, it, like with the there's an interaction with the Kree soldiers. Yeah, where somebody you know looks at Jaimon Hansu, who is a beautiful man, mm-hmm. and he's just like, oh, you know, if you're more attractive, and he was, you know, there's a weird thing. And another one of the soldiers was like, for what it's worth, you are a good looking guy. Yeah, and he's like, thanks. He was like, I laugh on the like it was just yeah. It was kind of stunted. Like, it never really flowed. Mendelssohn, like, his stuff worked. Yeah. I do think that something with the prosthetic, the way he spoke mm-hmm. was sometimes hard to understand. Like, he had a little bit of a lisp. I'm not sure if it was because of the teeth that mm-hmm. they had in. But his versions when you see him as Ben Mendelssohn versus when you see him in full makeup, mm-hmm. there the way he spoke was, I think they could have cleaned that up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that was just me. Speaking of the uh, makeup and costuming on this, mm-hmm. I could have sworn there's an actor in this that when they put him up as uh, I'll just say as a scroll, mm-hmm. I thought it was Owen Wilson. I, I could have sworn <laughs> I was like wow. Owen Wilson is in this film, <laughs> yeah. and even the way he talked. I I looked it up afterwards. I can't find Owen Wilson anywhere associated with this film. Yeah. But keep your eye out for <laughs> doppelganger scroll Owen Wilson. Uh, in this film. Also, do, do, I don't know if we're allowed to say this or anything, but there are certain cameos in this film that I caught on to that I, I guess we've all known that are there, but I was able to spot them and they were a lot quicker than I thought they would be. People that are in this film that are associated with Captain Marvel that they put in this film is to be kind of like a... Oh, yeah. I mean, they're definitely... Not. I mean, so, I mean, she's listed in IMDb as Maria Rambo. Mm-hmm. And then she wears a necklace that says Monica, and that is her daughter's name. Like, that is a deep cut for people who are into comics, because Monica Rambeau was the first female Captain Marvel. 
Mm-hmm. So she was a black woman, big hair. Just go white and blue. Well, yeah. Well, white and black. White like black, it was. Yeah. Well, she had multiple. She, like, that was the first female Captain Marvel. Because the Captain Marvel story, I could, I would have to do like a four-hour episode just on the history of it. But that was really clever. Where they not just put in like, this is her best friend, mm-hmm. Maria. You know, it was like, this is this, and her daughter's name is Monica. <laughs> like, they layer those things. And again, I have faith in Marvel's ability to layer those to, if they wanted to do something in a later movie, they could pull it off. What, how late are we talking I mean, again, I we joked about it in the movie, but this would have to be like phase five. I mean, like this is listen, they're going to be traveling through all kind of weird stuff in Endgame. Who yeah, knows? Well, that was the thing. Like, what they'll see. Monica Rambeau in the comics when she was Captain Marvel, she basically gave up being Captain Marvel when the original Marvels son Janice Vell took over, and then she became her name was Photon for a while. Her name was Pulsar Pulsar for a while. Who we, knows what we, we'll see? I was like, we yeah. very easily as, as they're traveling in this three-hour movie. Through, like yeah. through some weird space time thing, quantum realm, yeah. or whatever. Who knows what we'll see? It's like that, but those things were clever, and that was something that, like we we did not need her to be named that. That could just that could have been any other character, but they did it, and I feel like they did it for a reason. Even if it was just an acknowledgement or an Easter egg, or an yeah. Easter egg, like they at least did it. I feel like that it, it could just be like a planting the seed for the yeah. future. Or maybe Disney's like, hey, we, we, we want you to plant the seeds so we can have a, a Disney Channel Marvel show or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. then we'll have that lined up or something like that. I mean, yeah. And they... I'd watch that. They could have put in something about like Kamala Khan, you know, who's like Miss mm-hmm. Marvel. Like they they could do these things yeah. laying this groundwork that we got in this movie. <clears throat> I feel like we're going to get Kamala Khan at some point. Yeah, That's oh, what I, I was absolutely. talking about before is uh, I feel with Captain Marvel... We're over 10 years beyond when they first started this. It seems just like yesterday. Yeah. Um, but there's actors, Robert Downey Jr., I'm sure. Um, you, the, the folks are, are probably saying, you know what? Oh, I've done this, okay? Like, we, you need, we need to move on to the next stories. And just like the comic books evolved and, you know, characters, there's so many Captain Marvels, Captain Americas, and so forth. Absolutely. I think they're going to be changing out some of these masks. And Captain Marvel, to me... I feel is going to be a marker for, okay, this is the original kind of set of films that kicked this off. And now we're in this next leg and we're going to bring in the Kamala Khans and we're going to bring in, okay, who's going to be another Captain America at some point? Because I feel like that's going to be a thing. I feel like this is almost kicking off like, okay, you've seen us do this with the comic books. Everybody knows who Captain America is. Everybody knows who Iron Man is. Now we're bringing it to another level of deep cut where this is what else we've been doing in this realm that you might not be aware of. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially with Kamala Khan, that one is easy because unlike the previous iterations of Captain Marvel, where it is somebody's son, it is somebody's daughter, it is right. somebody's transfer. Kamala Khan is a completely different character who idolizes Captain Marvel and chooses to become Miss Marvel. Yeah. You can see her in some of the like the animated stuff on yeah. Disney XD. It's like, that is an easy way to just bridge this gap where it is like, at the end of Avengers Endgame, we could see a girl named Kamala Khan just, I just looking up to Captain Marvel. Or that another. was all like that. That could be all it is. Is like, wow, you know, like, and then she could draw on her notebook or something. Like that is all it would take to then build that groundwork. With Monica Rambeau, they could do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like this was my aunt Carol, who I grew up idolizing. Then I found out some stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and suddenly maybe I went through the Terrigen Mists and got some powers or something. This is who I am now. It's like they def- they know what they are doing. Yeah. And I and I trust them on on this journey. I feel like like we were talking about that tonal shift with mm-hmm. DC and Shazam. After Endgame, like we need to go back to some levity. We're gonna get yeah. <laughs> right, like right afterwards. I like, feel like oh, this is home, a little. I yeah. think this is a little bit of levity with Captain. Oh, this is yeah. This yeah. is that, that this middle is ground. Like, like the the. <laughs> it's kind of like Black Panther was before before we got to Infinity War. Like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, and now it's sad. I just so this is gonna be fun, <laughs> and then it's gonna get really depressing, and then we'll be back to more fun with mm-hmm. Far From Home. Yeah. Which people keep saying with Far From Home, is it going to be before Endgame or after, after Endgame? They have said that it is after. I mean, like definitively. How could that, it be before Endgame? Like, where where would you have time to tell that story? There's actually there. I watched. I went down a YouTube rabbit hole. There is a way where it could connect to beforehand mm-hmm. um, when they're on a bus going through a school trip, going to a school trip, and they go somewhere. There are ways they could do it, but they the directors of the Russos have already said not the Russos. Um, I forget who they who's directing those. But yeah, they were like takes place after. So yes, we will get some levity. Yes. Because Endgame, Endgame is going to be brutal. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. People will die. I don't know how brutal it's going to be. Infinity War was brutal. I, I Endgame. <laughs> they just didn't win a fight. It could be. Right? It could be brutal, but also could be you know cheery and happy, and yeah. everybody's back. You know, I think it's gonna, happy people. I think it's going right. to like split the middle. I think we'll get some right. big deaths, and then we'll get some fun heroic moments of the them figuring stuff out, and hopefully another. Random diet. If anybody's from Marvel is listening, just throwing this out there. Reality Stone, whatever time, whatever. Mm-hmm. Portal opens up in the middle of the <laughs> okay. screen. Here we go. <laughs> On one side of it, it's animated. On the other side of it, it's real life. Miles Morales steps mm. through, and then we never, get him. Never in we, got, we got a real life Miles Morales. That's never going to happen. Never. Or he's animated the whole time. I don't care. I'll <laughs> that accept would, that, that either way. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So here. We, we, got, we, get a, we get a taste in the post credit of like a tone for yeah. what this movie might be. Yeah, which oh the we get a tone the the post credit so so also and I I say this before pretty much every Marvel review there are two there are two post credit scenes so definitely stay through there's a mid credits and a post credits the mid credits as soon as the the music came in it was just a punch to the heart because like oh god we're back to the reality (laughs) like we're back to like what it's gotta even the way it's (laughs) shot it looks really kind of smoky like not in a bad way you know you know what i mean like it's not as the atmosphere is just so different feel dulled just just a smidge and it just it immediately brought me just not i mean it brought me down but it just brought me back to reality of like we watched this like fun romp in the 90s and i was like like, oh no (laughs) oh no we're uh, we're back to reality yeah yeah so Uh, i thought i think you know that'll give you a sense for what kind of tone at least and they keep saying, like, the stuff that we're seeing is the first 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Which, so a lot of people have been guessing. So if Thanos was this with this big bad and the Infinity yeah. Gauntlet snaps away half the universe, okay. how do you top that? Here is my John's predictions. Uh, so one thing that, one way that they could go with these. So Doctor Doom there's a very, very easy way to bring Doctor Doom into this universe of the MCU. Not yet, but what they could easily do. So at the end of Doctor Strange, Baron Mordo, we see him go up to Benjamin Bratt, all pissed off that he learned how to use magic to help him walk again. (laughs) He's like, oh, not anymore. And he takes away his magic, essentially. Mm -hmm. Baron Mordo ends up traveling the world, basically as a hitman, going after people who are using magic. 
He ends up in Latveria Mm -hmm. because he hears about this dictator who might be dabbling in dark magic. He then ends up teaching Dr. Doom how to use magic. Can't do that. Dr. Doom as a villain in the MCU, as a real world villain who then knows how to tap into some of the stuff that we see in Dr. Strange would be incredible. Can't do that yet. Yes, but we can't do that yet. Like that. But I mean, that is like, it is such a one, two, three to get to Dr. Doom. Can't do that yet. I like what you're saying. Eventually, you, we can get there, though. You're aware that they that that's not that's not that's not something we're going to see in April. Mm-hmm. It's not something we can but just in, legitimately in, see in April. In right. two years, when everybody buys each other out and we have one media company to rule them all, right. then Disney. yeah, we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Disney, exactly, for sure. Yeah. You know, then anybody, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, we're going to have no Bambi we, in these films. We see films. that in in <laughs> April, and I mean with X Men, <laughs> Dyer, I love you, buddy, <laughs> but it's just. Like, <laughs> That is never I going to happen. I can dream, okay? Uh, I can they, dream. There was even somebody talking about in the latest Dark Phoenix trailer, mm-hmm. which again is just a mess. You see some uh, power inhibiting inhibiting collars. Oh, like from Deadpool 2. Like from Deadpool 2. And uh, they made a connection to something in the MCU. And it was like, guys, stop. Yeah. Just, just stop. Like, it is... That universe, the X-Men universe as we know it with Fox has to die completely and wait like two years before the MCU is like, here is Colossus. Mm -hmm. Here, like, there was some podcast I was listening to and they were basically like, whatever the next step of X-Men is, films, is going to be giant size X-Men. It needs to introduce Nightcrawler, Colossus, Storm, like in a different way and not these prequel weird versions we got in Dark Phoenix, Days of Future Past, Apocalypse. I have a feeling it's very likely, depending on how long they want to stretch this out, but they're not... It is Disney. They're not giving up Deadpool. (laughs) No. No. And so Deadpool hasn't touched the X-Men universe as we have known it. I would... Yeah, it has. Yeah, there, there was a definitive, like, it takes place in that continuity when... He opened when he's in the X Mansion, he was like, What, we can't even afford one guy right. with wings? And you see Beast that uh Holt. Uh Nathaniel Holt. But it's not the same actor, is yeah. it? Is, okay. It is all of those actors, and he like slides the door closed. Okay. But also Deadpool exists in this realm of like, you right. know, ridiculous it's satire yeah. and ridiculous and plays with reality a little bit with us. You know, he's at the end of the film, he's looking at a what Green Lantern script or something like that. I mean, there yep. is that sense to it. I I I could see them though trying to stretch Deadpool out and then just expanding the X Men franchise to what I mean. If what they have is working, let's just do it through that. I mean, the danger is you're going to have comedy X Men, but like you know, it's, it's I, something. It's, a, it's a, a fun course. way to test out something to see if it works. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, doing Colossus, yeah, in Deadpool too, the best Colossus we <laughs> we have ever got. I wish it was shinier, but yeah. there, as far as like the character, the size. Like, everything made sense. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Tim. That is a good way to kind of, like, test these things. Mm-hmm. To be like, okay, this juggernaut is completely CGI. Does it work? Does it not? How silly do we need it to be? How are people responding to How it? are people responding? Spoiler alert, really well. Yeah. Deadpool 2 made a stupid amount of money, both versions. Yeah. Like, that is, that is crazy. So, uh, as far as Captain Marvel, I mean, yeah, Brie Larson was solid. Great. I was definitely impressed with... With her, there were some parts where it was a little bit too schmaltzy and cheesy. This is still a comic book movie. Like it is still, yes. it is still a movie still that needs to, you know, need to make that happen. <laughs> ben Mendelsohn was great. It's great. 
Sam Jackson is Sam Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like, of course he is good. He got to sing. He loves singing in his movies. He... Yeah. <laughs> when he started singing, I was like, oh, he loves doing this. Yeah. A different Nick Fury yes. than we've ever seen. Yeah. A, very a, di- a, a very calmer, different. more mm-hmm. enthusiastic. Not not uh not as hardened. Yeah. Before yeah, his that... soul was became yeah. cold from working. Before he was wearing a, like yeah. a black long yeah. trench. <laughs> yeah. Which ooh connection. One of the scrolls wears a long black trench coat. I wonder if through this he was like, I like that look. Yeah. I like that look. Give it. Um, that, that could that could be an easy tie-in, or he gave him his jacket. Oh, connection, yeah, synergy. Uh, but yeah, like everybody else was good. Um, Jude Law, I think he was good in this. Good, Got but a punchable face. Yeah, like he Jude Law, I guess to me does not really do anything as far as like he never makes me want to go see a movie. He is never an actor who's like, oh, I cannot wait to see this new Jude Law. But I was like, oh, Jude Law popped up. That's fun. Like yeah. I liked him in the um. In like the Sherlock Holmes stuff. Oh yeah, I forgot he was. Yeah. <laughs> I like him in that. I like I've always liked Jude Law, but again, he's never I'm trying to think of something, a project he was in that he was a lead in that I was like, I gotta see. I have thing. to see yeah. So he just Closer, kind of maybe? Uh, maybe. But yeah, like he was solid in this. Yeah. His arc is maybe the most paper thin, Very thin. of of all of them. Like pretty much from the jump, you're like, okay. Like, yeah. even, again, without knowing the comic book history of Jan Rog, mm-hmm. again, I could go into that, but it would bore everyone to tears. You, from the jump, you were like, okay. Yeah, this film doesn't try to hide his hand very much. <laughs> no. Like, this what, is what's happened. At all. To me, he was more of a metaphorical device. I keep saying device a lot for some reason. But it, it, there's a theme in this film that I don't, I don't think I'm giving too much away, yeah. but there there is a theme that we saw in the trailers of, you know you can't do that right yeah. you're just a girl you're too Smile emotional for me honey <laughs> you're too <laughs> emotional yeah. yeah these themes kind of reoccur and i felt that without being too blatant or in your face about it that was the whole purpose of his character yeah, in he a sort way. of embodies that he embodies that character for and so i think throughout the film you're kind of you know okay is she gonna learn her lessons and yada 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 and the character's gonna evolve He's essentially, I think, the guy that helps them carry that throughout the film. Yeah, he's he's the metaphorical. Um, I'm leaning a helping hand, and then I'm kicking you back down. Right, right. Mm. He's, he's that. Yeah. He's that character in yeah. this film. That makes sense. And it plays out throughout the film, and I think you know, you mm. see how it affects their relationship, even early on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this did not do what Tim and I had kind of talked about doing a while ago. This did not lay as much groundwork. Mm-hmm. To secret invasion, like I thought it was going to. No, I thought it would too. Like I thought it was going to dovetail yeah. right into. Like we were going to get a big reveal, probably mid credits, a big reveal of somebody. Like I remember saying this probably on our episode that we did last year with Black Panther. Mm-hmm. When you have, uh, I can't remember his name. Agent Ross. Right. Like and it wasn't Black Panther. It was Civil War. Civil War. When like. You had this moment right there where as they are going around this glass container. You show his reflection. There was, you could show a ripple mm-hmm. in his face and people would be like, oh, snap. I was shocked that this did not, as far as we know right now, did not dovetail as much into laying the groundwork for Secret Invasion, which could very easily be phase four. Yeah, we might get that at the end of Infinity War or in the Homecoming. Ooh, I mean, I'm not, homecoming. I'm not far from I, home. Far from home. That... 
That would be interesting. I'm not sure how. Whoever, someone else coming to work with Spidey. So another agent, another, because Nick Fury's yeah. in it. Shield's in it. So True. we don't know who's attached to that that might be able to help. Yeah. Spider-Man so that, that was actually. That was a surprise. Yeah. For me. Uh, yeah. Anything else? I think else? we're going to learn more about the Kree and all that the next Captain Marvel movie. I hope see. so. There was also a really cool, and again, this goes like this is a deep cut comic book thing. At one point, so we know that she has her green and silver costume, which is kind of the, yeah. the Cree soldier uniform. We know that she ends up with her red, gold, and blue. During the transition period from that, mm-hmm. there we get five seconds of the original Captain Marvel uniform. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, when they're picking out a uniform for her to wear, Captain Marvel, you know his yeah. uniform. Like again, that was all. Like that was five seconds, yeah. but that was just really cool. So and that little girl was great. Yeah, she was good, and I trust Marvel. She's good. She's like, a good kid. There's an old thing that used to be in the comic books in the '70s: make mine Marvel. Yeah. As far as the movies, yeah, please do. So yeah, cool. Uh, that was all of my notes and things. So official rating for Captain Marvel, which is in theaters this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we just got out of that that press screening earlier today as we are recording this. Um, Dyer, how about you start? Good, bad, or ugly? It's usually, I have a problem with your rating system because it is hard uh, between uh-huh. like the bad and the ugly. But oh. this one is not uh, conflict for oh, me at okay. all. Uh-huh. Um, this is a good movie. You should go see it. Um, I found it just everything about it. I actually, uh, well, the, okay. <laughs> I have a problem with trying to be too polite. Mm-hmm. This is a good movie. You should see it. We were talking earlier about people being like, this is the best Marvel movie or whatever. Right. This is not the best Marvel movie no. for me. This is a worthwhile Marvel movie that you should go see, even if you're not into comic book movies or following the larger plot lines. Go see this film. It's worth it. Other Marvel movies will probably rise to the top over it. We got our Winter Soldiers and Black Panthers and things like that that you know I think have carried Marvel better. Um, this is a different kind of Marvel film. I, I have a feeling like it's going to be asking people to switch gears a little bit. Um, but yeah, overall, yeah. I don't disagree. Overall, good film. Go see it. Okay, Tim Holt, People's Critic. I would have to agree with everything you said. I think it's not necessarily the best Marvel movie ever made, but I think it's definitely very kid friendly. There are very few. Like I think mm-hmm. the Guardians are kid friendly. The yeah. Ant Man's really kid friendly. And Thor. I, to a point door like, to a point yeah. yeah and this is very kid friendly mm-hmm. you can like take your kids it's fun there's not too much violence if you think about it. it's a lot yeah. of fighting but not a lot of like death yeah. yeah there isn't this looming dark cloud over the movie <laughs> it's sort of like until we get that mid-credit scene where seriously as soon as that started yeah i felt a weight on my chest <laughs> oh, yeah. you're gonna be a mess yeah um violence yeah, so, but not blood and gut violence yeah, right? yeah violence, not yeah. blood and gut violence it's a lot of fun I think she's really like a badass character and they sort of you get to see this evolution of her as she as the movie progresses until she sort of sort of very neo ish in the Matrix where she sort of figures it out. Mm. And then you get to see sort of this explosion in, in, in her literally literally. Um, yeah, right. so, but it, it's great. It's fun. I think people will, will enjoy watching it. It's a fun time at the movies. Cool. Uh, this is the definition of a popcorn movie. Yeah. Yeah. Bring the whole family get some popcorn, like, you will be entertained. Mm-hmm. That being said, I mean, maybe... And, and I, I want to say that I was... Go. I was not say I would not say I was waffling too much between bad and good. You're going to call this a bad? I said I was not waffling too much. 
the more the more we talked about it though because again this does have some really great points in it and i do think the family aspect of it young young women young girls young boys whatever it is having people that they can look up to in a movie Mm -hmm. is great something like infinity war where it's just so (laughs) just doom and gloom Mm -hmm. that is hard like i grew Mm -hmm. up watching the old superman movies with christopher reeve grew up watching batman 1989 like some of the like it you need a movie where you can look at a hero so i think this is definitely that i had some problems with some of the pacing mm-hmm. i think some of the the tone was just it was it took a minute to get going yeah like it really I was, was almost bored but it took a minute to get to it was about the second act when yeah. i was finally like okay here's where we're going i even wrote that down when i was like getting bored because it was just like it was they really had to lay that groundwork. So other than the pacing, some of the dialogue is pretty cheesy. We, yeah. we get these superfluary. Su- that is not a word. Superfluous. We can, we can make it a word. Superfluous. Superfluary is fine too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, characters, you know, but overall the story is solid. Once it gets going, it is a, a movie about triumph over adversity yeah. of believing in yourself, mm-hmm. of having the power within you to do great things. So those messages are, are clear. So I will give this a good. You're, you don't want to say uh, it's bad because the two of us said it was good. No, mm-hmm. the music in this, like flipping on that umbrella Academy, great music. This, the nineties version of clickbait. Yeah. It would, it would do like 10 seconds of riot girl, bikini kill from bikini. Kill, and I was like, right. Oh, and there the is, song is gone. better. <laughs> there, she's wearing a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah. there's better All music the <laughs> from the uh, from the '90s, and it's weird. I was trying to think, like, when's the last time I heard a whole song? Like, oh yeah, I was, and I was yeah. even trying to play something. Like, wait a minute, this is the ni- who is? Oh, Courtney Love. Yeah. Um, like yeah. it was it took me a little bit. Yeah, to I thought you know Bumblebee had really great music. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's sort of the bar right now. That really like, is like that is yeah. a great and it was point. like on the like really nailed it and like really it, and really good music placement in the film. Even though it's just tough to do. Tim cried a little bit in Bumblebee. Yeah, when at some point uh, Smith tape. <laughs> I was thinking of you Smith's when the Smith tape was. I was yeah. so mad. literally at our screening. Tim and I sitting <laughs> each other and I like I nudged him. So mad. I, I feel <laughs> like there's better Nirvana songs I could have stuck in there too. To like especially if you want like an action sequence or something like that. Yeah, like yeah. you could click on aneurysm and just what that i mean but yeah like bikini kill la tigra like you could put in mm-hmm. some great chick this rock all from the licensing. 90s this isn't i know a creative I know. point but it was just who knows <laughs> what people were a marvel calls you and wants to mm-hmm. use your song i can imagine that price is going up for you well, especially yeah. well, what what it was who especially bikini kill although yeah. they are going on tour and i yeah. kind of want to see them so but yeah bumblebee you're totally right yeah that set the bar for these kind of flashback period piece movies this one every time it would start a song we would get like 20 30 seconds in and then it would Mm. cut all to just make the point that this is from uh, the 90s hey we're in the 90s i I guarantee you you could have used a sunny day real estate song that was uh, that's available to you yeah so yeah can i just pick up on a point that you that you made that i thought was actually interesting you kind of talked about looking up to a hero and looking Mm -hmm. at superman one of the little notes that i jot jot down afterwards on my phone um was I felt a similar sense. I don't know where it's coming from. I felt like a similar sense to this film that I do with a Superman film. 
Yeah. And, oh. and it's not just with the, the powers. And I know okay. Carol Danvers, Cara Danvers. I mean, this whole thing, right. you know, uh, it was Supergirl. But in Captain Marvel is essentially the Superman-esque of you know, kind of the Marvel Again, universe. without going into a five-hour episode of, of why yeah. Captain Marvel is even being used in Marvel Comics and not Shazam and that Captain right. Marvel... Go ahead. <laughs> so, but that, but when I bring up the film aspect of it, mm-hmm. though, like Christopher Reeves' Superman, the sensation that you get from watching that, especially as a kid, I get the the impression because I watched those film, those films as a kid. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that kids today watching this film are going to have that kind of experience. Absolutely. Yeah, watching like Captain uh, Marvel. There's there's a few other things I could probably go down a rabbit hole with i felt like maybe there was some christ figure themes that they were throwing in oh, there yeah. like thematically but for the most part yeah I, I i had that just i just it was just tingling my spidey sense of just yeah. i feel like superman a little well bit. again like in the spider-man movie far from or homecoming mm-hmm. that is another one where like kids teenagers can look at that and be like yeah i can do good also All right this is one of those movies where like yeah. kids looking at this movie like this is a hero. This is somebody standing up for good versus evil versus some of the other comic book movies where, yeah, that, that gets a little bit muddled and you have to see both sides. Right. You know, this one, it has a lot more heart than I guess I, I was expecting coming That's into it. That's the word, heart. So, yeah. And useful heart, not like the one from Captain Planet. No. <laughs> Which is just, yeah. Do you guys remember there's an episode of Captain Planet where the bad guys created the evil version of Captain Planet, and it was like sludge, blah, <laughs> and they created this bad no. version. No, I do um, remember that episode. Yeah, they created a bad version, and then there was another version where the Planeteers got cloned, and they all had like versions of the real powers. The heart guy, his did nothing because he was evil, and he did he not have a no heart. heart. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember any of that. Anyway, uh, but yeah, so I give this movie a a good. This is definitely, yeah, popcorn movie. Take the family. It, yeah, the violence without blood was a conscious choice. 100% conscious choice. Mm-hmm. Because even actually in Winter Soldier, which we highlighted as the best hand-to-hand combat, you see like some bloody lips, mm-hmm. but that is kind of it. Mm-hmm. So very conscious choice. Uh, for these two filmmakers who had never done something like this, mm-hmm. it was impressive. Yeah. Um, other than the fight choreography, which again was just edited really choppy, but yeah, had some heart. So cool. Uh, that about wraps it up for this episode of the about to review podcast. Tim, where can people find you? Uh, the people's critic film, people's critic. <laughs> wow. Vlog.com. Uh-huh. Uh, and Mandy 80s podcast. Excellent. Dire Northwest Nerd Podcast. Tell us all about it. Where can people find you? Anywhere you get podcasts, you could find us online at nw-nerd.com. And then pretty much if you search any social media for NW Nerd, we have variety of underscores here and there, depending on which social media you're at. But if you search NW Nerd, you're going to find uh, Northwest Nerd. Fantastic. And other than Emerald City Comic Con, what else you guys That's got going on? Me. I new episode to plug. Yeah, I don't sleep much. I'm working on a feature <laughs> right now. I got a couple coming up uh, that I'll just tease. That one is a rather interesting tech subculture that you probably would be surprised that exists. And then some folks that are like in the know are like, "Oh yeah, that's biohacking." Uh, no, oh. no, it's a, uh, it's it's an everyday tool that you use. 
Hmm. But in a whole new level of nerdery, I'm also going to be covering another geekiest spot thing. I've gone to like Vancouver and yeah, other areas. I like this. I like so that. Like, where is it? I found a really interesting backstory of a, of a geeky spot in the Northwest that I'll be bringing you to again. Fantastic. Right. Tune in to Northwest Nerd. Uh, for, for that, all of the links for those will be on the show notes below. As far as this podcast, yeah, Emerald City Comic Con is coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Triple Frontier. Uh, I will be seeing that. I'm not sure if I'm going to be... Uh, yeah, it, it will probably be next week when I do a review for that, mm-hmm. uh, unless I shoehorn it into this one in post. Not sure. Depends on what they want from me. <laughs> so when that comes out on Netflix this Friday, uh, there will be an About to Interview episode dropping this week with the creators of the film Prospect. Yeah. Feature film that was shot here locally on the Olympic Peninsula. So Zeke Earl, Christopher Caldwell, and Bryce Budkey... Uh, we're on that, so that will be an episode of About to Interview, which you can find on aboutreview.com and the podcast feed. So as far as this episode, or as far as this show, I should say, follow it on social media at aboutreview. Aboutreview.com has full links to the show notes and guests like Tim and Dyer. So thank you both for joining me on this episode uh, and going to Captain Marvel and recording this straight after. Of course. So, which generally I try not to do because then your opinions are kind of skewed when you like just come out of a movie. Yeah, that's fine. But I like it. So, thank you everybody for listening, and we will see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.